Wow, welcome to episode 32 of Connotations. Um, this is, I just want to say this is a cracking episode and it's super, super insightful. Um, and before I go into it, I do think it might be two and a half hours long or more, but definitely you guys need to stick around whether it takes you a few days to go over the content um, or you want to listen to it in one sitting it's super super important that you do listen to it in its entirety because I think there's a lot of uh, important discussions and important points raised um, that I think we can all benefit from uh, obviously over the past couple of weeks you guys would have seen in the media and the situation with George Floyd um, there's been a lot there's been a lot of talk um, there's been a lot of action and there's been a lot of um, drama, so to speak, that's gone on. Obviously, things have now calmed down in the media. But of course, we know and we understand that the problem still exists. And whilst there's been a short rest to it, I think there's no evidence that there's a solution that has been found for the, for the longer term. Now, we believe that the long-term situation uh, sorry the long-term solution is education i definitely think for us uh, it's important to talk about it once the dust has settled so to speak um just because uh connotations is not a podcast about clout chasing uh but rather we feel that we can make a difference through educating that's why you'll see some of our topics are sometimes late after the hype has been over but that's what we're trying to do we're not we're not we're not hype merchants where we just want to you know for the views and the listeners and for our own podcast ranking we want to tackle these situations whilst they're happening i think the approach for us is let it calm down and you know visit it with a um more logical more thought out approach um even if it is a couple of weeks later now with everything that's gone on we feel like um people have a slightly more open mind to research to educating themselves and in fact developing their understanding of these subject matters so in the podcast we go over through a lot honestly we go over um we go over the you know the clarity around black lives matter and all lives matter uh, the statement in itself the historical context of it where it comes from we debate that um, we talk about capitalism marxism we talk about racism and its link with the socio-political and economical philosophy aspect um, we talk about institutional slash systematic racism prison racism inequality i mean it's a very very um, in-depth podcast and I think we could have gone on for way longer. We could have gone on for hours on end and, and the brothers were super, super happy to do that. Um, but at the same time, we got to ensure that the podcast is consumable. The message is consumable. Um, we don't want to, uh, we don't want to get into a situation where people see it's a three hour podcast and they suddenly, they, they don't even want to listen to 10 minutes of the message. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't want to make this podcast any longer. I want to get straight into it. This episode is with Brother Ali, who's previously been on the podcast on episode 28 to discuss racism within the Asian community. Um, and then we've got Jonathan Barsena, who was on episode 18. Um, and then we've got a new guest on the show, Brother Sam. So let's let's get into it. Episode 32, Connotations. Um, Sam, do you want to quickly introduce yourself? Um, because I think you're new to the podcast, uh, whereas we've had Jonathan and Ali on in the past as well. Um, so yes. we'll start with you, Sam. 
Yes, um, I'm Sam I'm from Ghana. Um, I studied my master's in the UK and I'm currently working in the Netherlands. And um, I'm just happy to be here because this is a topic that is dear to my heart. And <clears throat> when I got the opportunity to come on, I didn't think twice. I just jumped because I have a lot to contribute. So, yeah. Okay, amazing. That was uh, short and sweet. Um, there's going to be people joining the podcast that have not listened to Jonathan's episode in the past and nor have they listened to Ali. So if we want to, you know, 15, 20 seconds, Jonathan, if you want to give an intro to yourself and then Ali as well. Uh, well, I'm Jonathan Barsena. Uh, um, I'm, what can I say about myself? Well, I'm an avid um, politics and economics commentator. Um, former, I would say, um, not former, but still, still a conservative, uh, unapologetically conservative. And um, yeah, I think that that's, that will give uh, plenty about myself to people. <laughs> um, Ali? Yeah, obviously I've been on before. So uh, thank you everyone for coming. And uh, we hope we're going to have a fruitful uh, conversation. And, uh, you know, for everyone out there, you know, uh, my name is Mohammed Ali Jalo, and I've got a background in business management and finance. And uh, I've worked on behalf of uh, leading uh, companies like Virgin Media, uh, EDF Energy, uh, American Express, uh, etc. And uh, obviously, I represent, I'm a black, African, and Muslim as well. So my, my family is originally from uh, West Africa. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a, a very beautiful conversation with you guys. Amazing. Um, so, so my first question, and I think is one of the most important ones, um, is around the clarification of um, the quote, all lives matter. Now, there's a confusion amongst the society that um, literally screams at, uh, all lives matter and it being a thing where um you know they don't actually understand the historical context of what this movement is about and um they literally take it by its namesake um so jonathan can i ask you to sort of touch on it maybe talk about a little a little bit about where the movement started and how it's not what people think it is uh i mean um i'm no this a lot of uh, sort of controversy to do with where the whole Black Lives Movement started and everything behind it. But I think any any rational person uh, is able to sort of understand what's the basic behind it, uh, that, you know, Black lives do matter. That doesn't mean that all other lives don't matter. But um, at the moment, uh, it is currently uh, sort of, black people primarily who are being targeted by police brutality, uh, institutional racism. And that's why I, I assume people go around saying um, black lives matter. I think those who say all lives matter are essentially racists who don't have the courage to come out and say, I don't like you because of your color of your skin, because at no point anyone said that white lives don't matter or that other lives don't matter. I think if you look at the protests that happened um, around the world after the death of uh, George Floyd, you can see that there is Chinese people, there is uh, uh, Pakistani people, 
people from all parts of the world together protesting um, saying Black Lives Matter. So why would anyone feel the need to say all lives matter? Uh, I can only imagine is because simply they don't believe Black Lives Matter and they can't bring themselves to even say it. Mm. And there is so much contempt in some of uh, some parts of the world, primarily the United States and um, and the UK. That you you we've seen the images coming out of the Man City Burnley football game. I mean, someone was so bothered that they are showing support for the black community that they felt the need to pay for a plane to fly over the stadium with a banner while they were kneeling, uh, saying white life matter. I think that it sort of explained everything behind that white life, white life matters, all life matters. It's simply racist people who don't have the courage to admit and say in public, I am racist. I don't like you because of the color of your skin. Yeah. And no, I think, let, yeah, go on. Oh yeah. Then I wanted to add to uh, Jonathan's point. Um, that I mean, if you are eating your eating ice cream in your house and can get killed, if you are sleeping on your own couch in your own house and can get shot, if you are walking and can get shot, if you are holding a toy gun, a 12-year-old having a toy gun and can still get shot and killed, and there are others who still debate that white lives matter or all lives matter, then, as Jonathan was saying, it's just a racist rant because, of course, all lives matter. But when being black is a crime, then the argument that black lives matter still holds and still should be respected because how can the color of your skin be a reason to be shot? Because being black is like, uh, a deterrent to the cops. I mean, it, it's something that can get you killed. I, I just I saw a video sometime of a lady who was being told by a black man to put her dog on a leash in the park. And then she mm. called the police and the way she was speaking on the phone, it was as if the black man had his leg on her neck. She was screaming as if she was being threatened and being killed and abused. Yeah, I saw that one as well, yeah. Yes, you see? And yeah. people yeah. were saying, um, this is something that can get the black man killed instantly if the cops should come. I mean, asking a policeman as a black person, why do you stop me? Are you arresting me? Even questioning them, you can be arrested for, uh, how do they even call it? Um, they are questioning the police officer. There's a term they use for it. You know, yes, resisting arrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you know. So, Black Lives Matter doesn't mean all lives don't matter. It's just that throughout history, we've been relegated. We've been segregated. We've been abused. From the time Abraham Lincoln uh, wrote that, uh, what's the name? Emancipation proclamation till now it has all been black lives don't matter to certain people so now the debate is that we've had enough black lives do matter and 
as Jonathan was saying, those who say white lives matter or all lives matter, to me, I just racist people who just can't well, come out and openly say, yes, I'm racist. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just going to, just playing devil's advocate. So some people that say all lives matter, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with this, but some people say all lives matter are not necessarily racist. They just don't have enough knowledge um, on black um, oppression. So, yeah. for, for example, uh, people who um, are not very, you know, like our elderly generation and things like this, you know, when, when I've spoken to some people and I've said, look, they, they, I've, I've, I've told them what's happening recently and um, out of their, you know, out of, out of their naivety, they just say, son, you know, all life is the same. Everyone is the same kind of thing. So they don't really understand the gravity of the situation and what BLM is trying trying to do. So I think so, some of it is um, internal sort of racism and they don't want to come out and, and, and say it. Um, other, for, for, for other people, it's the lack of education and the lack of uh, uh, knowing what BLM is all about. And, and I, I, I just, I would like to just say to like the Asian community who, um, because I've, I, before coming on the pod, you know, I spoke to certain people and they said, well, all lives matter and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I, I reminded them that, um, you know, there were certain times where, um, the, uh, so, so what they say is, you know, there are Muslims being killed, for example, in Palestine, or there are, uh, there's oppression in Iraq and stuff. So why don't, why don't they talk about that? Well, you know, why do they just talk about black people? And what I would say is, you know, there's, we have movements, we have uh, a, a, a sort of a revolutionary uh, movements that are geared towards certain um, oppression. And it doesn't mean that it, it it's it's um, it's ruling out all of the all of the other things. Just black lives are being oppressed. That's not the point here. The point here is we we have been working towards um, equality with black people and you know white people for a long time now, and it's it's just the process. It's the, 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 obviously there is no equality. There, there's a uh, a visible difference um, but the process has been so long so if you look at other um, other movements or, or, or other uh, groups recently for example um, groups such as the you know the gender binary kind of groups they have quickly been able to get some sort of uh, you know some sort of um, uh, rights or, or or whatever they've been able to get their voices heard very very quickly whereas for black people it's just been such a slow process and it's weird how um how it hasn't it's 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 we're, we're still in 2020 sat here and we're still talking about how black lives matter it's just the whole process is just so slow and to me in my head i'm I'm thinking the reason why it's slow is because it's at a systematic level and it's designed, the system is designed in a way, um, it's it's a racist system and we live in a a racist society from the top down. Um, Yeah, just 
before we come on to the systematic racism in order to just sum up the all lives matter you know the saying in itself is obviously it comes from a position of arrogance you see uh, sorry ignorance you see because uh, the people that say um, the so sorry to interrupt uh, i keep yeah. uh, um, I, I think you're right, but I think to to a certain degree it's an element of ignorance. Yeah. And but to me, um, I, I'm afraid I feel there is something a bit more sinister going on behind that, because, uh, for example, I look at the protests, and the other day uh, I, I came across a video that two videos who, I mean, essentially tells me a lot about the situation that we are in and the truths about the society that we live in. The first one was a, a Black Lives Matter protest in Palestine. Now, if there is any group of people who can be excused for not commenting on this, I think it will be the Palestinians. I think they have enough on their plate to be dealing with. Yet they came out in support of this movement. Second, I saw a video of an Amish community. Um, I think it was in the same state where George Floyd uh, was killed. Um, they were uh, on a bridge uh, cheering Black Lives Matter protesters and, and singing for them and they were holding banners. If the Amish community who do not use any of the technologies mm. that, we, uh, that we use today, is aware of the mistreatment of the black community and they feel they need to go out and do something about it. I don't think anyone has any excuse to say, well, I don't really understand what it's all about. Well, educate yourself. 100%. I think for far too long, black people have been expected to continuously be educating people on, uh, on discrimination, on racial issues. Uh, when I think, no, it's your responsibility to make sure that you're not a bigoted, annoying person going around throwing things like all lives matter. Nobody said that all lives don't matter. You know? Yeah, all um, the black community is asking for is to be treated equally, to be given yeah. the same See, opportunities. It, that's, and it's recognition of the suffering that we've endured. I mm. mean... I, I, I remember uh, one instance when I was a kid uh, back in Spain. Um, this was when we first arrived in Spain. I, was, I must have been about nine, ten years old. And I was walking down the road. This was a, a very long avenue uh, in Madrid. And I saw this old lady and, and I well, can only assume was her daughter. They were walking uh, on the same side of the road as me, but they were coming from the opposite direction. So we were going to cross at some point. From far away, I could already see uh, the old lady hanging on to her uh, handbag really tight. Um, it got to the point where they, they crossed the road because they didn't want to walk next to a black person. And as a 10-year-old, I, I, I can only tell you how emotionally damaging that is uh it, it made me feel like absolute you know like i had no worth and you know some there is some black kids who are having to have those experiences at the age of five six and i think something needs to be changed um that has any a huge effect on people and i think the first step is just 
calling those people out for what they are, racists who don't have the courage to say it in public, uh, rather than to have this silly argument about all lives matter, no life matter. The other day we had the foreign secretary of the United Kingdom, Dominic Raab, saying that the kneeling of the Black Lives Matter movement comes from Game of Thrones. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Game of Thrones. Yeah. We in the twenty first century. We're like, yeah. what is going on? And I, 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 those kind of, those kind of things is what allows things like all oh, life matter. No, I think we should be calling it out for what it is. You racists at least have the courage to say it to my yeah. face. I Call I understand. Them. I understand where you're coming from, Jonathan. I think my the issue I was trying to highlight is the people that don't actually know what all lives matter the phrase in itself is now we know that it's a it's a racist movement right we know it's a it's a racist movement that was initially created by white people um to belittle the claims um, racial injustice that black people face and um not to acknowledge that however there are people in society that don't actually know what, what that phrase phrase means right and they don't even know what black lives matter the hashtag uh means in in yes. today's society it's, it's basically a campaign for for equality um it, it's a campaign against uh mistreatment of black people but people don't actually know um they, they, they don't understand that so i think when i was saying um, that people are ignorant to these phrases is when they see these phrases and they see okay black people are saying all lives matter is a you know is like a is not the correct phrase to be using the people need to yeah. research that they need to acknowledge that they need to find out why um i, I do you know what i mean i totally get where you're coming from but it's just yeah i mean if, if i can um you know have a little input on that discussion as well so thank you very much, all you guys, you know, you've made a very fantastic point. Um, all the points, you know, are valid. And it's along the lines that, you know, we're all thinking along the same lines, uh, basically. And, um, you know, like you guys said, it doesn't mean that all lives, you know, don't matter. That's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. It's um, basically uh, standing up for injustice. Yeah. And um, we all agree that, you know, um, oppression, you know, we should all stand up for oppressed people everywhere. And black people, like Ahmed said earlier, they've been oppressed for a long time. You know, they are traumatized people. They've been enslaved. They've been abused uh, by these powers, you know, uh, especially the, the Western powers where we live now. And they benefited, you know, from their capital. They benefited from their labor. Uh, they benefited everything from these people without, um, you know, without no benefit. You know, the people who've been enslaved, they had no benefit from their labor and everything, you know, which they've done, you know, to build these nations, right? And when it comes to all life matter, when we grow up as children, we're all thought that, you know, we're, mm. we're equal. We're mm. equals, just like anybody else. That's the way we're, that's what our parents teach us, right? But when we grow up, we go through certain experiences that makes us realize, oh, because I'm black, I'm different person, you know? Yeah. Because, um, you know, like growing up when I was a little kid, you know, between the 10 or 14 years of age, I had people, you know, driving in cars, not in front of my face, driving in cars and shouting, you, you, you F nigger. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So as, as a child, that's a shock, you know, because you've been taught, you've been told that, you know, you're equal like everybody else. And then, you know, like, 
as a kid as well, I had a racist guy, you know, stop a car, I was in a phone booth making a call. I was actually, you know, calling my dad because I traveled. I was actually calling my dad, telling me, you know, I've arrived safely. And this guy got off a car with a dagger, with a knife. He said he's going to stab me. Wow. And he was insulting me, you know, racial slurs, right? And it means, for example, that, you know, when you go out, you know, when you drive in your car as a black person, you always have a fear that the police is going to stop you. You know, if you ask other people, white people or other people from other backgrounds, they don't have that fear of the yeah, police stopping them. It's right? called driving while it's black. Yeah, I mean, if you have a car, if, you know, it's if you crime. go to a, a shop, you know, where there's luxury or you have a luxury car, you're always going to be questioned for that. You know, it means, uh, for example, going out uh, one night, you know, uh, with my brother and some of my friends, you know, we saw these black guys, one of these black guys was was beaten very badly and we knew this guy, you know? So we went up there, you know, to the security guards and say, you know, like, he's not doing nothing. You're actually uh, gonna injure this guy, you know, can you just let him go? And then before you know, these security guards, they jumped on me, my brother and my friends, right? Just for standing there, you know, uh, you know, making claim that you're injuring this guy, let him go. And me with my naivety at that time, I thought the best thing to do is to go and call the police because they were stamping on this guy's head on the pavement. Like really like beating the hell out of this guy, right? So I went to call the police, believing that when the police come, they're gonna resolve the whole issue. Guess what the police did when they came? The police arrested us, mm. right? When I locked us up in the, in the cell, you know, for no reason. Yeah. I think the that, morning, you know, yeah. in the morning after, you know, they look at the videos. They saw that we did nothing wrong. They released, they released us with no charges, but it didn't change the fact that you know we've been abused and violated. Yeah, and, and then have just, to spend just, the just night in a cell. So that that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about we we have all got stories to tell. If you really want want to understand what the Black Lives Movement is about, speak to your black friends. Yeah. You know, speak to black people in your family. Speak to your colleagues. And then they will explain to you their experiences because maybe sometimes hard for people to understand because they are not in the same shoes. Yeah. So they don't see things that other people are going through. But if you really care, so other people, you know, like for example, all this protest, you see people from all backgrounds, people from all cultures, right? They're standing up because they've realized that, you know, it is injustice, it's oppression. And we as black people, we never gonna say we don't we don't we don't support uh, Palestine because if you look at black organization, you know uh, uh, black leaders they've always supported the cause of Palestine, and we stand up for oppressed people everywhere. But it's just that you know right now you know uh, you know the, the platform we're talking about Black Lives Matter yeah and it, it ultimately you know we support all cause and all those people have their claims and rightly so. And we should all come together, create, you know, coalitions, uh, alliances and fight oppressions in any form. Yeah, I think that proves the message of Black Lives Matter and the movement itself, because the movement's uh, all towards equality, challenging inequality and not actually revenge. Uh, a lot of the all the, the, the all lives matter fans they see it as uh, you know black people trying to seek revenge it's it's not that you just want to society you want to see things equal and there's movements created to um you know achieve that 
Whereas the all life all lives matter movement comes from no say say no we don't acknowledge that we don't acknowledge black people being mistreated, um, so that's their challenge against it when they actually know that you know the society is in imbalance like that. Um, yeah, and the thing is, you know, if you are the oppressor, obviously you're never gonna want things to change, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you you, you, you anything you can, you know, to stay in your position. Yeah. You know? Can I just can I just highlight a point which might highlight um, the imbalance what Arkiv just mentioned? So it just occurred to me. Um, so Madeline, do, do you do you guys remember Madeline McCann? Yeah, yeah, little girl that disappeared. So they're still talking about, and obviously, you know, a little girl disappeared, and we feel sorry for the family. And it's you know she's a human being. The families are human beings, like everybody else. But do you think now this is a question to all of you? Do you think that if that little girl was black? And even if she was from the same country, everything was the same, but she was black. They've spent nearly £10 million um, on, on this case. And they've got, I think they've got a Netflix documentary on it. And, you know, they've, um, it, it's an ongoing case. Do you think if the little girl, if Madeleine McCann was black, do you think they would have gone I think, to these lengths? I think, I, I think there is an obvious answer to that question. <laughs> and the answer is no. <laughs> highly unlikely i mean mm. uh it is no secret that black women have been i mean if i say ignored uh i wouldn't be sort of I, I would be you know not making any justice to black women black women have been uh, neglected by society for far too long and that includes uh black men as well i think there's a lot of work that needs to be done uh, within the black community, within the black community, and outside the black community, to address some of the uh, neglect that black women have been suffering from. To to give a straight answer to to your question, I think if that if Madeleine McCain had been a black girl, uh, we wouldn't know about it. Yeah, because it reminds me of this uh, recent case with a Somalian girl who was drowned. She was a refugee. Yeah, um, and that was a year ago. That, that was, was a year, year ago. ago. Yeah. Um, now when something is being done because of the outrage from the community. I mean, uh, it, it was very obvious um, to the point I believe the school changed its name. Oh, really? So they, they, they knew it was something damaging. So they went as far as changing the name of the school, I believe. Um, I need to double check, but uh, from some of the articles I've read, uh, yes, it, it did change its name uh, to kind of disassociate itself from the uh, the death of um, the the little girl. And it, it's, it's, something, it's something really, really, really sad that black people to this day, we continue to have to beg the white man for justice. Yeah, man. I think I think is is I think it's really sad. I think that. Um, bring, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah, I think that um, brings us on to the systematic, the institutional racism side of things, and I want um, Brother Sam to talk a bit about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, then what I would just want to add is uh, now. As we all know, uh, racism has gone from being uh, overt to uh, covert form of racism. 
that it wouldn't be laid down, laid out bare in your face, but uh, it's still there. I mean, as we all know it. Um, and now, as we see these inequalities in the education system, in the health system, housing, employment, even the representation of uh, leadership uh, positions, we still see racism in there. And um, let me just give an example. Um, in America, uh, the legal cannabis business is uh, exploding, you know, but surprisingly, um, whites currently own over 90% of the legal cannabis business in America. Now, gone was the days when uh, black men used to run the cannabis business. But at the time, it was illegal and brothers were being jailed for it. Mm, That's what you're saying. But now, that is legal. Mm. Brothers don't even own the supply chains. Oh, I see what so you're saying. What yeah. happened over there? You see? And then, um, in terms of housing, you know, there was this research by uh, MIT in, uh, I think, 2014, where they wanted to look at the social structure of mortgage discrimination. And I mean, they just, it was just obvious in their studies that um, if you are black, and you are going for mortgage, the likelihood of it being approved is very low. And I mean, this is when uh, people in the black communities, especially in America, were living in the, what they call the projects. Now, imagine being born into the project system, where the highest form of education you can attain is when you get to community college. You see? So in, in development studies, we have something we call a uh, poverty trap. And that is what the black community is experiencing now, that most of them are born into the poverty. And in order to step out of poverty, you have to work extra harder than your white counterpart. Mm -hmm. Yes, in education, um, as I was mentioned, the community college. Now, you know, let, let, let me really talk about uh, employment first before I go to education. Let me talk about employment. Now, if you are if you are if you apply for a job with a, a white person, let's say a brother who has a, a criminal record, maybe due to some unforeseen uh, processes, the person has a criminal record. Now, there's a statistic that over 50% about, I think almost 50% of black men in America have in some point in their life been incarcerated or have a criminal record. Now with this statistic, how are you able to, one, find a job? Because most businesses wouldn't want to employ an ex-con. Mm -hmm. So one, you know, the, the process is you, in a, let's say in a small black neighborhood, they will come and tell us uh, there is absence of black uh, fathers in the house. But how are the black fathers absent from the house? It's because one, you are arresting them wrongfully, two, 
you are killing them. So obviously, they'll be absent from the house. Uh, and those <clears throat> who are available would have to struggle with the system to find ends meet. Now, in, in, earlier on, we were talking about uh, the issue of uh, capitalism and uh, socialism. Now, in a, let's say in a country where you have a, a, a capitalist system where the prison system is being privatized. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, privatization, it means they are going to pay uh, per head. So, if inmates, they are going to pay you per the inmates you have in there, per head. So, if you don't have inmates in their prison, how are you going to get more money? Yeah. So the, the system is going to find a way of incarcerating people so that they, the, 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 the private owners of these prisons will also make money. And who, is, who, and who are they going to use to uh, occupy those places? It's our fellow blacks and the Hispanics. And uh, I mean, the bank community. So you see, it, it, the, it, the, the, the process is such that the, it, it, it has been built there and to me, if we are going to remove systemic racism, then there, there need to be a serious, I, I wouldn't even say education, but change of mind. Because somebody can be very educated, can be very knowledgeable, but will still be a discrimination. It will be discriminatory. You know, so, the, thing, the thing you mentioned about black fathers um, being absent, um, I was having this discussion yesterday with somebody actually, and th this person basically, um, he's not racist, he's, he's a friend of mine, but he, uh, the way he so described, like uh, I don't know, um, he, I don't think he's racist, he's just ignorant a little bit. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit prejudicial. <laughs> yeah, and, and what, he was, what he said was, um, he was coming up with uh, numbers, you know, he was coming up with stats, where if the father, if father figure is, is not, uh, not in the house, you're, it leads to certain. Um, it leads to certain crimes. It leads to lack of opportunity and things like this. Yeah, um, but what what I what I what I said to that was um, where there's ghettos and hoods. For example, in Detroit, where there's like white, uh, where there's white ghettos, and there's actually um, there's actually more. Uh, you know, there's there, there's actually more white ghettos in America than there. It, it more white poverty than black poverty but that's only due to the population um but and even in those places the father figures are missing so the thought of because he he basically said that for some reason in black households father figures go missing due to uh, a clash of culture or something along those lines you know and that's kind of racism because that's basically saying black black fathers going is a black problem which is not a black it's like a, yeah i mean some, yeah there's this there is erroneous perception that it's like a black thing that you wouldn't have the father in the house i mean exactly i yeah. mean sometimes you watch movies and comedies and people use it as jokes you know that yeah, blacks, yeah. it's like exactly. a stereotype exactly what i would say is that project that you spoke about the the projects you know is yeah, built the, in yeah, a way it's built in a way where lack of education is there's more stress uh, to make ends meet there's there's um th there's a lot I... less so 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 basically what happens is in in that situation 
um, you can't really say it's a black problem. If it was a level playing can I, field, and then yeah. Can I can I just add to that? I think uh, mm-hmm. uh, based based on what Sam said, I think uh, you are absolutely right. I think there is it's it's even more sinister. Um, there is a documentary that explains a lot of how these issues came about, uh, especially in the US. Uh, it's called Thirteenth. Uh, it's on Netflix, and it talks yeah, about the Thirteenth Amendment in the in the US. And it, it's very simple. When the uh, proclamation of emancipation was done, um, I think the Southern state, who primarily relied on slave labor to make mm-hmm. their money, the Northern states were industrialized. They were using machines, so they didn't have any use for slave labor. Uh, the southern states, uh, you, you know, the compromise was to add the 13th Amendment. And throughout that process, and to my, in my view, the 13th Amendment was designed to turn black people in the U.S. and around the world from slaves to criminals to justify the abuse that they were receiving. Uh, yes. So at first, as slaves, they were working for free uh, for plantation owners and things like that. When slavery became illegal in the U.S., how um, the way that southern states found to continue to have this free labor, and if you look at the 13th Amendment, it says that slavery or um, forced imprisonment, it, uh, it's illegal, unless you're a criminal. So the change was... That's crazy. From calling us slaves and niggers to criminals. And if you look... And, and that there was a whole conspiracy behind it because that wasn't all of it. It wasn't just turning us from... Okay, branding us from slaves, now you're criminals. So Because when, when you think about criminals, we are less likely to sympathize with them. Because uh, you, mm-hmm. you'll be yeah. thinking, oh, yep. you committed a crime. You're less likely to sympathize with them if they're abused, if they're mistreated. Because um, that was the mentality. I mean, the, the white community is brainwashed into believing these things and perpetuating this abuse to the, uh, to the black community. Because, one, move us to criminals. Um, and then, if you look at the motion picture in the U.S. around that time, the movies that were coming out, portraying the black man as a danger to the white woman, as rapists, mm-hmm. as criminals, uh, dangerous animals. That was part of that whole process because that started telling the population, oh, be, be, be careful, the big black man might rape the... Black you know, man is dangerous. He's going to rape you. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's how that whole process began. The police in the US was forced set up for what? To catch runaway slaves. So the U.S., literally uh. all major institutions in the United States were created to perpetuate and to abuse the black community, to continue having that free labor, to continue not giving us rights. Even in the North, who many argued, uh, Abraham Lincoln, the Civil War, we fought for slaves to stop mm-hmm. slavery and all of that. Yes, that's true. What happened when uh, slavery was made illegal? When black people uh, started going from the south to the north because they thought it was safer? You brought up segregation. Yeah. 
So yeah, essentially, cool. if, if you look at everything that's happened, it's been designed to oppress and abuse the black community. Yeah. And so I think, yeah. I think that these institutions don't need reform. I think we need to get rid of them altogether because they are, it's not that they're not working. They are working. This is what they were created for, to oppress yeah, the black community. Uh -huh. that's so we need point, to, if I can at the very that. least, shake them up really big. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's a brilliant point, you know. Uh, you really uh, break it down. Um, we understood it perfectly well. Uh, it's, it goes back to, to, to for us to understand that nothing happens without a reason. And what we need to get back to, for example, most of these uh, institutions, uh, the way they were drafted, they were drafted by white people and white powerful mm -hmm. people yep. without the representation of any black or colored people. So obviously they drafted them and they assigned them, you know, uh, the best they way possible uh, that will suit, you know, uh, you know, their, their ideologies, you know. And another thing as well with the systemic, systemic racism, like uh, we pointed out, people have been insensitized. For example, I've got a police friend, you know, uh, she works around the London region. And I watched a video online, you know, there was this black kid that was being arrested. And the kid didn't have anything on him. But then you needed 10 police officers. And I don't think that kid was even 15 years old. Yeah, years I saw old. the video. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I was having a conversation, uh, you know, with my friend. And she told me, oh, that kid is, is, is really known. You know, he's a troublemaker. And then I thought to myself, does it make it all right for 10 police officers to arrest a little kid? So from the way she was talking, it made me realize that she has been insensitized. You know, like, like she believed that, you know, what they were doing is the right thing to do. It's right. Because institutionally, you know, within the police, you know, they, they have been taught to see things and do things in a certain way. Right? So, so it's a deeper problem because the fact that she, does, she doesn't see that as being a problem is the fact that, you know, it's a belief. That's a yeah. belief and that's a normal trend, yeah. you know, how things need to happen, right? But I'm sure if I show her a kid that is white, which you will never see, and 10 police officers, you know what I mean, try to um, arrest that kid, I'm sure, you know, she will have a change of mind. She wouldn't see... Um, she wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, see things uh, the way she was seeing it, being a black kid. And another thing as well, uh, you know, it goes back to representation. Most of this institution, representation of black people is very minimal. Maybe in every institution, if any, that's still first black person to be, uh, you know, a something in an institution or in an organization. And we live in a society where you know, people of different backgrounds, of different cultures, right? So as long as we don't have that representation where, you know, every planning, every organization is going to involve, you know, is going to represent the people in that society, it's still institutional racism. And in America as well, what we have to understand what happened, like Sam, like you said earlier, like black people, you know, working hard to get out of those ghettos, you know, mm -hmm. there's something they call redlining. If you read American history, yeah, redlining districts. America, yeah, yeah, there's something they call redlining, where yeah. 
you know, uh, geographically, they surround the black people in these neighborhoods, right? And they, they, and the, the whole plan was they can't get out of those neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter even, you know, if you are very successful, you had a successful business. If you want to come out of, you know, those neighborhoods, they wouldn't give you, you know, the, the, the rent, you know, to, to get, a, 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 you know, a permit, you know, to have your business in a different neighborhood. There are so many blocks. There are so many barriers that you have to go through that it makes it so hard that it makes it impossible. You and these I mean? things are still function. happening now. Yeah, for you to function properly. Yeah. And as well, you know, uh, Ahmed, you know, what, what you said and again, what you guys said earlier about, you know, uh, the media, you know, Hollywood, you know, they have uh, presented the black people to be a certain people, to be a violent person, to be the gangster, you know, to be the criminal, you know. It has made people seen black people as well in a certain way. You know, yeah. like we said, it has been, it has brainwashed people because the only black person they've seen, or maybe the, the first time they seen a black person was a criminal or a gangster. Yeah. So, and the thing, you know, uh, in the media, where and they... Just one final point, just one yeah. final point, uh, Ahmed, before you jump on. And as well, it's nothing to do with your color of your skin, you know, your, your intellect is nothing to do with that. It's to I do with know. education. It's to do with, you know, where black people find themselves uh, underdeveloped. It's to do with, you know, your success most of the time, even here in the UK, is based on your postcode. You know, the area, you know, where you grew up or where you live is based on that. It's based on those areas are way underdeveloped. And it's based on you moving from those areas. Most people won't. And so most people will never reach, you know, their full potential. And when those people try to make that move to, you know, uh, make their ways into other areas, they have so many barriers which they have to go through. And all these, you know, results on you know problems that we're talking about yeah just to just to go on the point of media um uh, i think you know with the with the whole gangster image and all that stuff apart from that where there's been movies released and documentaries released around black slavery um i I personally i think that i think there's too many of those um and this might be a little controversial i think um there's there's not enough movies showing black excellence in terms of people, when they look at black history, they go back to the time where slavery, for example, was abolished or, uh, or where some, uh, so, so like Nelson Mandela Malcolm X came and they fought against slavery. They don't go further back and they don't look at all the advanced uh, uh, civilization and the contributions that I think people have. There is more to black history. I think yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, I mean, can I, can I mean I you have to add, give people uh, hope, right? I mean, you cannot yeah. just uh, give people a perception that the only thing they can aim for is freedom, right? Exactly. We need exactly. to go um, deeper. The, yeah, and, and that is one of the problem. You know, like the Black History Month, they try to make up Black history started from slavery. You know what I mean? Research is um, that is that far the from the truth. This earth that is far Black people. Yeah. That's been a whole civilization for thousands. Yeah. Over thousands uh, of years of black excellence. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and black history. Why don't we I think, dig deeper and bring these I, things I, into the forefront? And the institutions think, as well of the educational system need to be changed because it, 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 go, it, it takes on the narrative that you as a black person, you know, you need to aspire to be a white person. The only excellence that's happened on planet Earth is what has been done by the white people. 
you know, you know, reading about Shakespeare. Why do I need to read about Shakespeare? You know, he's got. So this this is the kind of thing that needs to be changed, even in British schools. You know, what I mean, in, yeah. in in Western schools, there needs to be you know a, a history of black people. Yeah, Jonathan, you were going to say. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, and that is something that I've struggled with uh, because I've realized um, I'm someone who um, I've, I've never considered myself to be a genius, but I thought, you know, um, I know a thing or two. Uh, um, other people have described me as intellectual, but um, what I would say is that even for me, um, I was I was so surprised disappointed and and sad to see that how little i knew about my history and then when i made the conscious choice to start learning about african history about black history around the world i mean i've, I've encountered so many difficulties finding information on google which which we we see as this thing having everything you know i i, I found it so difficult and once uh, I came across a book that I'm currently reading, and I was surprised to see that they, you know, there was history. I don't know why, why anyone would think there wasn't, but there was history, you know, even during biblical ages, there was history of black people. So I've been reading this, uh, this book that I truly recommend everybody. Mm. It's called The Destruction of Black Civilization, uh, Great Issues of Race from 4500 BC to 2000 AD. Uh, and but why is it called The Destruction Williams. of Black Civilization? Is that the, the, yes, uh, if, if you see on the screen, yeah, The Destruction of Black Civilization. Um, okay. Great Issues of Race from 4500 BC to 2000 AD. And with that, I think the key issue here is uh, how do we ensure that these things, that history is presented accurately? And I think it goes back to these institutions. And when I say that, at the very least, we need to give, give them a big shake-up because uh, from the perspective of the, I, I don't know, the Department for Education here in England, to show more accuracy in history that is being taught in the curriculum, that will mean admitting all the atrocities that the British Empire committed throughout its history. And I don't think that for those uh, middle-aged white men who are in power, I don't think they have any appetite to admit that, okay, yes, we did some good things, but we're also responsible for um, genocide. We're also responsible for the um, for, for slavery. I mean, they, yeah. they, it is the British who took slavery into uh, and made it a worldwide um, business adventure. And yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just want to quickly add to that point. I'm not going to. I'm sorry to put you off, but yeah, no, no, it seems go ahead. It seems like, you know, uh, there's, bu there's certain buzzwords now, like knife crime and uh, gang culture and stuff that is, that is uh, sort of related to, they associate it with black, you know, black culture. Um, that, that's the part, that's part in order, because as I said before, you, it's harder to sympathize with criminals. That's exactly. why it's, it's all, 
you put a narrative out, oh, they, they're dangerous, they're rapists, you know, they could be raping your wife, blah, blah, blah. I mean, let's not forget that, um, although I don't think that's what they stand for right now, let's not forget that, you know, not to, not to, not less than half a century ago, I, I can't remember exactly what year it was, um, the Conservative Party was putting leaflets to people's door that said, you know, if you want a colored person as your neighbor, vote Labour. If you're already burdened by one, vote Conservative. Mm. Let's not let's not forget that, you know, yeah. it, it was that wasn't too long ago. And what it is is that these these institutions they need to. I, I don't I don't think that simply by increasing the uh, increasing the number of black people sitting on the board uh, will will have a, a an impact because it's entrenched from top to bottom people are holding prejudices that some of them don't even know that they're being prejudicial they think it's, it's just the it's just the normal thing and uh, people will tell you oh i want i want people to um, be judged equally i ban um, I, I want to have the same opportunities to get, uh, we all to have the same opportunities to have jobs. But what you're forgetting is that many minorities are not starting um, at, the same, at the same level as you. We've had hundreds, why, why literally hundreds of years of, you know, being held back. And you think that, okay, yeah. now because you say, okay, now it should be equal for everybody. Yeah, no. That's it. You no. need to remember. Uh, he spoke before yeah. about housing, uh, the areas in which we live in, the crimes that come with um, in certain areas. Um, mm -hmm. All those things need to be addressed. And I think that the first step towards addressing these issues is for government and society to say, okay, we have a problem. These things have happened. Uh, let's all come to the table and start putting systems in place. But as long as there are people in positions of power who continue to deny the fact that there is discrimination, there is institutional discrimination, they, uh, that minorities have been disadvantaged for hundreds of years, and in order to give the, to put them in the same playing field, uh, extra needs to be done in order to ensure that they they starting at the same level as everybody else until whilst we still have people in power who hold the you know views what? that Jonathan, say that oh that doesn't happen i don't think we can move forward jonathan i don't think that is possible in like you know like capitalism in the system that we live in i don't think it's possible for there to be an even playing field because that goes against the fundamentals of capitalism, of capitalism. yep so I don't, I don't, I don't think that's possible. And what, what, you know, like what I, what, what, I'd, what I wanna, because um, before you spoke about like completely eradicating and destroying these institutions, I think that is a little bit dangerous as well because that creates like. But I, don't I think, I think. Let, let me add to Jonathan's point that um, if, I mean, if you can still practice capitalism without discrimination in terms of race don't let uh, racial bias <clears throat> uh, uh, limit the, the form of capitalism that you want to practice now let me just give an example um until recently i didn't even know that 
currently in the UK, there are only six black or uh, non-white head coaches in the top 95 clubs in the English professional leagues. Currently, there are only six. And in rugby, I think it's only just one black coach. But there are a lot of past professional footballers who have trained as coaches. Then, uh, who was even making the, I think, was it uh, Andy Cole or, or York? One of them made this comment just recently after this blood issue. That there are a lot of very qualified black coaches. But then, they don't have, they don't have job. They just go and serve as panelists on football shows. 95 clubs and there are only six black coaches. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a very good example, you know. Yes, the professional body would think. Yes. Yes. A lot, and there, I mean, in the, let's take the English Premier League. Is there any black coach? The, the other one, what's the one before English Premier League? What's the one? Championship. Championship. Oh. I mean, so you see, and it's not like there are non qualified ones. There are very qualified coaches, but why aren't they getting the positions? Why aren't they going up there? You no, know, it's the system we are talking about, you know. And it, uh, for example, in uh, in America, then we're talking about the uh, the system being uh, unfavorable. You know, when the slavery was abolished, and the the North said after the proclamation, they said the slaves, when you move to the North, you are a free man. Then even Lincoln, who some people praise all the time was debating at the Congress that they need to send these people back to Africa. You know, there was a debate in the Congress that if they should send the slaves back to Africa. So now that they can't send them back to Africa, what happens? They have to find ghettos and corners to put them because, of course, they can't mingle with the white people. And this is what has been in existence from that time to the Jim Crow's now. Now, there isn't any Jim Crow laws. You wouldn't find whites only, blacks only, no colored person. But then, it is still in the minds of people. You know, people still yeah. have mm-hmm. that mentality that... Can, you know, I think what, mm-hmm. something Can, odd, odd that I read uh, the other day is even today, I think people are saying um, uh, these people that claim not to be racist, they're saying that they're coming out with numbers from IQ tests and basically saying that the white man or the white person is um, what IQ tests show that the white person is a lot, they have a, a much less more intelligence. They have, uh, yes. Yeah, a lot more intelligence. And they're saying this today. I'm not talking about, because obviously. Yeah, we know it's that, true. They're uh, saying it today. Uh, we know that. Um, I like, mean, it, uh, was it Boris Johnson? Was it Boris Johnson or Michael Gove who, while working for, the, for a newspaper, uh, sort of authorized i don't know if he was uh, a co-author or um at least gave the go ahead to publish an article an article that claimed that uh white people black people had a lower iq and this wasn't too long ago oh wow again this this comes to the argument that when you um you know uh, suppress the people when you underdevelop and um when you it's about employ that educational system you know, so obviously this is the result that come out, you know, the white men, you know, obviously they're going to look more educated because they've, they've been to the best schools, you know, they've got uh, the best, uh, you know, sponsorship. 
Yes. So, so they've got I mean, the bad. So obviously, we we know that anyway. So people who go through that line, you know, obviously, it's just your racism and, and, or you know, Jonathan, that's why, you know. Um, let, let me let me just let me just chip this. And one thing I want to add with the systemic, um, okay. Sam, before you come in. All right. Another thing as well, you know, with the systemism, you know, the CIA, you know, the the intelligence, you know, agencies uh, in America in the Western world, they have systematically destroyed black organizations, right? If you, I don't know if you guys heard of the Black Panther, you know, the yep. NAACP yeah. and the you know the Pan African movement. If you look like sixty years ago, like seventy years ago. There was a revolutionary of black leaders, black excellence, visionaries, you know, who wanted to do amazing things, you know, for Africa and the black community all over. But all these people were undermined. This organization were, you know, were, were infiltrated. They created rifts in the organization. Yeah, yeah. By, by police and, you know, uh, 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 you know, registering into these organizations and then systematically destroying these organizations. And most of the black leaders, most of them were exiled, and most of them were killed. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I mean um, just to say, uh, I think you're absolutely right, and I think that is seriously related to um, the establishment and these institutions being completely terrified of a successful, thriving, united black community. Black community, and exactly. You can, you can look at it, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of the um, Black Wall Street Massacre. Yeah, it's also, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the, what, what they call the Black Wall Street was a community of about, I think, two, three hundred, uh, which um, a, a community of black people who set up very successful. They had their banks, uh, uh, insurance companies, restaurants, uh, bars, all sorts. Of, it was a thriving community. They were doing very, very well. And it was all black. A mob of about 200 uh, white people came, burned everything, and there was a terrible massacre there, uh, um, which uh, is not widely covered, is not spoken about. And I think that goes to show um, what's the attitude of the establishment and this institution towards uh, the black community, is that if you are out there committing crimes, uh, being no good, that's what they like. That's the black community they want to see. <laughs> if you're being united, gang, gang you set up your business, you start getting economic power. They don't like that. And to this day, the US government has done absolutely nothing to investigate or to even try and come to an understanding of who did this, uh, why was it done. Nobody was ever held accountable, and many, many lives black lives were lost uh, were lost that day and i think that speaks of volumes of what needs to happen from the perspective of the black community in order to move forward i think that a lot of the time uh, the conversation is centered around uh, foreign aid uh, reparations and all that some of it is so good but I think that in, for black people, in order to start to really, really have uh, a, a higher status in society, uh, we need to start focusing on creating our own platforms and not selling it to a white person once he becomes successful, which is something that happens very often. What I mean yeah. by that is that it's time for uh, 
black business associations to start uh, coming afloat. It's time for us to start protecting those organizations. So we have some power. It's time for us to start moving and demanding things from the government as a single unit. Um, I think yeah, that's Jonathan. what's going to help us uh, move forward. Yes, Sam. Yeah, it's Ali actually. Oh, Ali. oh. oh. The, guy, the guy that looked, the guy that looked just like Sam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Basically, it comes, it comes down to it's like we as black people, we have been categorized to only um, be successful in a, in a few. You know, and in a boxing. few in sports. Exactly. For example, like the music <laughs> industry, like sports, you know, like hip hop. You understand? And 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 as well, this is a way of making us people, you know, consumers. You know, because everything is uh, fundamentally marketed. You know what I mean? When it comes to sports, you know, when it comes to the music industry and hip hop and all that, you know. So you find most of the kids, you know, that's what they aspire to be. You know. Because that's always what's been marketed. There's been millions of dollars, you know what I mean? It has been invested in these things, you know what I mean? To captivate, to capture the attention of the kids. Yeah, right? and they understand and, the, the importance yeah, of just let me, let me finish finally. And you know, you said that, you know, we need to create, you know, black um, excellence and black businesses. These things have, has actually been done in, in the past. And this is why I have a problem with capitalism. For example, if you look at the um, the origins of hip hop, it was uh you know it came up from the black communities, you know, from the ghettos in America. Yep. And it had a massive, huge following. And what ended up happening to hip hop today? Hip hop is actually being bought by multinational corporations, by massive, big businesses in the you know in the music industry. You know, so it, when we talk about capitalism, it comes down to fairness. It comes down to uh, a, a, a small group of people having all the money and all the resources, and yeah. they are able to suck everyone. You know what I mean? So like, everyone has got a price. It, so it doesn't matter it. What, what kind of fantastic idea you have. It doesn't matter how successful your business is. They've got the power to come and buy you out and own your rights, right? And own your business and on everything, and then they're going to capitalize and, and make money out of that and then just buy you out. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, that's where we need to start uh, sort of thinking differently. In the sense that, for far too long, whenever a black person is set up a successful business as in his own the go, of he goes and is bought up by uh, a, another co bigger company. I think we need to get to the point where we support these businesses so that they don't need to or uh, have to sell to a major corporation coming in to buy them out. I mean, if we look at, for example, something that I think is highly, highly embarrassing is the fact that BET is owned by a white person. I mean, mm. uh, to me, that's absolutely <laughs> outrageous. It's going to make entertainment yeah. television. And like, it's, it's you, all about black me? stuff, you know? But Yeah, <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? Yeah. A channel that's highly associated with black culture, with you know, but black, <clears throat> sometimes it's owned by a white person. You know, there are some whites who are white in skin, but black in mind. You know? Yeah. 
like uh, Eminem. And, and they call Eminem the white in skin but black in mind, you know. <laughs> so maybe uh, we'll not beat is one of those. <laughs> see, see, and it comes to the depiction of cartoons as well. If you look at most of the cartoons, you know, out there, you see there are black characters, there are Asian characters. The person behind, you know, that that cartoon is actually a white person, a white man. Cleveland Brown. You know all these depictions. Cleveland Brown was actually. If you look at the Simpsons, if you look at Family Guy, all these guys. (laughs) What what does that say? But what does that say to the system? One, for example, a lot of the accents, a lot of the voice, uh, it it gets me thinking. So there they were, a bunch of middle-aged white men sat in a room and decided that oh. So this is what a black person sounds like, and uh, they put a white person to to voice over that character, Cleveland Brown. To me, that's that's nothing less of mockery. Yeah, you know what? It, it goes down to you know this drafting. You know, it goes down to all these stories, all these narrations have been put out there from the white person's point of view. Yeah. And, and and they've got the platforms, they've got the media, I think, they've got the following. I think, so ultimately, yeah, I you think, know, that's how everyone is going to think, and that's what everyone is going to buy, and that's how everyone is, you know, that's what everyone's going to follow, you know? So it goes down to having a true representation, you know, in, in on any board level, understand? You have to have true representations of people, you know, saying their own history from their own background. And talking about their values, you know, talking about their morals, you know, and then putting it out there, and then then we're gonna have a, a level playing field. We're gonna have a yeah, true I representation. Feel, I, f- I feel like I feel like a lot of the people, a lot of the black, brown, you know, Asian kids that are, have been born and brought up uh, in the UK, because you brothers, um, I'm guessing you you guys were born, you weren't born in the UK, no. so you have that richness and you have that culture and that knowledge. Um, but I feel like a lot of people that are born here. They're losing. They're losing it. So they they don't bother looking into uh, their culture back home and their values and um, the. Well, all they've all they've ever known is the UK. Yeah, yeah, I know. But so I feel to like... a certain extent, you can't blame them. I think it's up to us, people like us who have experienced uh, the culture in our home countries. Uh, I myself, I've, I've lived in three different countries. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, I've experienced society from different perspectives. And I think it's up to people like me to be sharing that experience and to be reaching out to to those uh, people of African or Asian descent who all they've ever known is, is the UK. And I think... Well, Jonathan, uh, I think what Ahmed is uh, putting across, uh, there's a challenge that comes with that. I think that's what he's putting across. He's putting across that... You know, when you growing up in the UK, you know, you, you, you just follow the, the, the media and the educational system. And um, most of the parents, you know, they don't even have time to spend with their children because they're always yeah. busy working, right? Uh, is that, is that, is, am I right? You know, uh, uh, yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. Because, like, obviously, when they came to these countries, they, they, they're trying to work hard and make money. So they didn't have the time for, uh, you know, to be at home. and. Plus, obviously, where there's inequality and where there's lack of, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like there's a lack of opportunity. Um, parents are going to have less time with their kids because they're working hard trying to pay off their bills and trying to save up some money to buy a house 
or to buy some Absolute. kind of small corner shop or a small business. So it's not absolutely. It's definitely I mean, not even. I, I've, yeah. I, I, I myself remember as a kid uh, growing up in Spain. Um, I mean, my mom was at work for most of the day. I mean, I think there were days where we wouldn't even see my mom. Like we would go through the whole day and then go to bed and we wouldn't see my mom because, I mean, she used to leave uh, around five in the morning to go to yeah. work. And sometimes uh, we wouldn't see her until late at night or the following morning just before she's about to leave again. And I think, um, I've, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, and that's why I said that um, that is a challenge for people like me. And that's why I think things like the, your podcast is very important because it's one way in which we can reach that generation who perhaps have not experienced life outside of the UK and share those opportunities, uh, share those opportunities with them. But also we would need to think about how we can, you know, get around the system to reach these young people and to pass on that information. Because um, me, myself, to, uh, I've, um, throughout this pandemic, I've embarked in a, a self-discovering journey of finding about my own history. And I cannot tell you, every day I'm finding something new, like picking books and reading about it and I'm thinking, Wow, black history is so rich, so wide, it, and it, it's been well, all black over the place. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's all over the place. And I'm thinking, how have I gone almost 28 years of my life without knowing about these things? Yeah, and how some, is that so, possible? Is so, the some people will so say effective? exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that was coming to my point. So the system some, is so effective. It kept yeah. me from it for almost 30 years. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, historically, uh, uh, historians and um, archaeologists, like, for example, Egyptologists who study Egypt, um, histor- historically, they didn't like to associate the pharaohs because it was like an advanced civilization. They built the pyramids. They had some sort of uh, social structure. They don't like to associate those uh, pharaohs and those people with black uh, black people, um, and mm-hmm. you and and you'll see that a lot of the a lot of the uh, statues of the pharaohs they've got the noses missing. So the noses yeah. are missing, and somehow, somewhere the noses went missing, um, and they don't they haven't addressed this, and they they don't know how this happened. But obviously, um, where the French uh, Egyptologists were, Akala spoke about this. Um, there was French Egyptologists who were looking into this, and they didn't really like the idea and back then it wasn't like a racist thing to say black people are less intelligent it was more of like a here's a fact black people are less intelligent it wasn't Uh like a racist thing it was more like Uh telling everybody that white people are uh, uh, slightly ahead in terms of uh, uh, human uh, there is um there is this i'm sure jonathan you um if you know of a huge trevor he was a historian at the Oxford Uni. And um, Trevor Rupa, I mean, he's a very uh, popular historian. And he passed the comment that Africa doesn't have a history. And the history of the continent only begins with the coming of the Europeans. The rest is just darkness. So if you have such uh, a prominent person, Passing such a comment about African history, 
then you know what the Europeans or people in the Western world are reading about Africa. They know that they are reading errors or distorted information about the history of Africa because the history is way richer than coming of the Europeans. The Europeans just came just this 400 years ago. Three years, 300 years ago. There's so much history about the continent, but not just, uh, it didn't just begin with the coming of the Europeans. Yeah. yeah. So I think um, me, my, my main point I want to make with this systemic racism is if systemic racism is going to end, then there shouldn't be opposing views to the point that Black Lives Matter. Because if I am holding a placard of Black Lives Matter and there is somebody on the other side of the road flying a Confederate flag or a flag with a swastika, then you know that I am fighting a losing battle because still the evil is still out there. So, you see, so the point is, if people are still having those mentality that the African is inferior, the African is less intelligent, the African doesn't know how to swim, there's a certain that the African doesn't know how to swim. <laughs> you see? And all they know is the African is dangerous, the African is a gangster, the black man is violent. You see, if these perceptions are still there, then we can't fight the system. We will still it's going it's still going to be a losing battle. I'm still gonna stand by the fact that cap, under capitalism, I don't think you can get rid of racism. I just think it's not possible. I you know, see, uh, yeah. we should get rid of racism. You know, we can't get rid of stereotypes, but we can get rid of racism. I think, I think uh, to 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 reply to to that is that um, I think under capitalism, it is possible, and perhaps it might be. I think perhaps it might be the best economic theory that we um, sort of modern economic theory um, to tackle racism because uh, if we followed capitalism by what is supposed to be, then we wouldn't even we wouldn't be able to see skin color, we wouldn't be able to see gender, we wouldn't be able to see so many of the characteristics that today is used to divide people. Because if there is one thing capitalism focuses on, is profit, profit, profit. But yeah, whatever makes you the most profit. Profit profit is synonymous with exploitation. To you know, to you can't you can't can't be this profitable and be this ahead in this race without some sort of exploitation, whether it's yeah. in another country or whether it's in your own country, whether you're creating classes within your country, yeah. Yeah. it is that capitalism comes with exploitation. So I don't yeah. think- uh, the problem and the power and the resources is held by uh, the few people. So for example, what we need to understand as well, <laughs> it comes to our communities and actually our countries, you know, in Africa and other countries, if you see, you know, with the slavery and the colonization, it came with a, with a political class. I don't know if you guys heard about the bourgeoisie, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and proletariat. Exactly. 
and empowering a small class of people, you know, who these big businesses, multinational businesses, have got a perfect, uh, you know, agreement with, and with agreement with this, um, you know, a, a, a few political class, they are able to exploit the resources and able to exploit everything of those countries. This is the problem of capitalism. For example, even here in our neighborhood, you know, in the UK, if you look maybe 20 years ago, there were very few, you know, uh, small Tesco Express or Sainsbury's in the high street. You know, yeah. it was actually local people, you know, yeah, yeah. who were selling their, their produces, right? Mm -hmm. But because these businesses, they are so big, they are so powerful, they got so much power and resources, they even buy the politicians, you know what I mean, to, suit, to give them rights, you know what I mean, to come into the neighborhoods, you know what I mean, and build their businesses and kick all the, you know, individual and small businesses out. You know, they do create jobs, you know, it, it has got, you know, uh, 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 you know, goodness in it. it, it's got creating jobs and all things, development and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, you know, it's uh, destroying the communities and exploiting the communities. Oh, and then I think, make, this, I is, think this is the system that keeps making the rich richer richie. and the poor, you know, uh, uh, poorer. I think right. I think we need to separate what because capitalism in itself is a is a very wide uh, word. Uh, what I'm, I'm saying it from a practical point of view, you know, I understand yeah. the whole you know the whole theory of capitalism, you know how it functions, everything. But I'm just uh, narrating it from a practical point of view, like in reality, yeah. you know, I mean, who owns the power? Who owns the resources? Who owns the capital? And Just how you got the power, no, you have the power, you know what I mean, to buy out yeah, everyone and own everything. Because uh, what I was referring to is uh, communal capitalism or the communal economy, which it might sound like socialism, but it's not. Um, well, when I say communal capitalism, is that the, um, with capitalism, uh, economic priorities are set, and that's what determines policy and the government and the market's attitude towards uh, the wider economy. And I think that if we explore the concept of communal capitalism, uh, which is this concept that, uh, that believes that the primarily aim of the economy is the welfare of the community as a whole. Isn't I think it depends. Um, it's slightly different um, because not many people talk about it because it does sound like socialism. But when we say capitalism, capitalism is very broad. Yes, we know, we know from uh, most people would understand capitalism, the market and things like that. But I think it's a lot more complex than just to say the market and profits. I think with communal capitalism, uh, what you can do in places like uh, Norway, I would say they have, uh, to a certain degree, communal capitalism, and that is through the introduction okay. of the sovereign, through the introduction of the sovereign fund, which is the fund that is I think I think that's an exception. To make money, to make no, but then you have Sweden. There are other Scandinavian countries. Scandinavian countries are an exception in the past. No, I wouldn't say they're an exception, but they prioritize the welfare of their communities. But, but, but I'll the tell you the biggest difference between we I'll tell you the biggest difference between Scandinavian countries and why it wouldn't work here. 
they they are mostly um, the the ethnic. Uh, they are mostly white, which is why they don't need to create a classist system. They're mostly they they, they don't have loads of little. Uh, ethnic minorities in those countries, which is why yeah. that works. But That's a good I don't point. Think that would work here. They would they it, to work for it to work in the UK. They need to have uh, a lower class, and they need to have yeah. the working class. I don't. No, Akib. Yeah. Yes. You know, they're all coming to the conversation. Akib. Akib. Bro, <laughs> to be honest, I'm. I'm. Want to hear your point of view, man? We want to hear. You. You need to get in. <laughs> I'm learning so much from this podcast. I'm just like, you know, taking it all in. Uh, but I do... We want to hear uh, your thoughts, man. We still want to hear your thoughts. Okay. I think, I think, I think Akib secretly uh, is an all lives matter guy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? One of, <laughs> one of those guys, eh? No, no, no. But no, let, let, be, be, oh, you want to come in now? No, no, go on. Go on. Okay. Then I, I just wanted to still chip in the, the point I was making about issue of uh, capitalism and how it uh, supports uh, uh, racism. And I'm just trying to say that um, a society can practice capitalism, but that shouldn't lead to racism. It can lead to inequality, but it shouldn't lead to racism. So if you are going to be biased towards a group of people, don't be biased towards a particular race. Because they are Asian, because they are Blacks, because they are Hispanics. Be biased to everyone. Let it be a level playing field. If you are a big business owner and you want to employ people, employ both Blacks, employ both Whites, employ Asians, employ uh, Latin Americans, employ everybody. You know, there can still be there, there can still be capitalism without racism. Okay, let me ask you a question then. So, like, yes, absolutely. imagine, imagine this year. So, imagine the top one percent people. Yeah, mm-hmm. so in capitalism. There has to be uh, a so top one percent. You know. Yeah. Who yeah. own the majority? The majority. Yeah. No. Can, imagine, can I? Can I say? Sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Ahead. But can I say? Um, it's not. There doesn't necessarily be. Um, I think I'm going to compare this a little bit with. Uh, I, last time I was on the pod and what I said about the, the Conservative Party. Um, I think you, the same can be applied to, to capitalism and how people interpret capitalism because um, I would say that the Conservative Party today does not follow conservative ideology. And I would say that capitalist economies today do not follow capitalism. Uh, there is this um, version where uh, they choose. They I choose agree with that. Most things you say, but I disagree when I you think, say they don't follow capitalism, Jonathan. I'm sorry. I disagree I, when you I say they don't follow. You no, know, no, institutions, they, you know, the whole capitalism itself. Capitalism itself as a system, uh, of what it means, I don't think is what capitalist economies are following today. I think that they're calling it capitalism, but essentially the government is doing whatever it thinks will kind of consolidate their my, power for, in from society. My understanding, from my understanding, for, for a capitalistic, for, for capitalism to work, like for the system to actually work, there ha- so there has to be um, a, 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 a set of people, set of businesses that hold a lot of the wealth, that wealth 
uh, that wealth comes downwards. As in trickle down. Trickle no, down. No. And then mm-hmm. people work for, you know, there's minimum wage and people do work uh, and, and they, they work to pay off their rent, their mortgage and stuff. And it's not, uh, it's, it's very sort of, you, you and, and there, is a, there is a way up the ladder, but there isn't, I think, you can't get up there. I think, Ahmed, Ahmed, I've got to your point. Your point is that for the people to be up there and to remain up there in capitalism, they need to have some oppressive uh, attitudes. Yes. Towards those down there, because you need to, I mean, you need to cement your stay up there. Yeah. You don't want the people to fear. But what the point I'm trying to make is, you can do that in the in the, in the capitalist system. Of course, there are there, there are one percent who are enjoying up there. But the point I'm trying to make is, even if you want to practice that economic system, you shouldn't be discriminatory based on race. Okay, but let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Equal grounds. Yes, but give the opportunity to do that because it means if I own the power, if I own the resources, right? You can decide to not share that with black people. people. Yeah, it means that I'm only going to share that with people exactly. who look like me. It means that if I had a white supremacy, and, and that is why I'm saying that people, we, we, we can never get rid of systemic racism. You, you know, like if, that, if you are the white man up there, you know, you believe that you know uh, you got this uh, white uh, supremacist, you know, ideology, and you mm-hmm. believe that the white people should be the superior people on planet Earth. You're only gonna take that world. You're only gonna empower people who look like you. Yeah, I think I would. I think any one of us, and I think this is human nature. It would be the same. So if if the top one percent were black or Asian or whatever, they would want to have their people uh, um, yeah. prevailing in, in society. But, I, think, I just but, think capita- but, but, but capitalism as a theory does not allow for that to happen because capitalism, a, one of the key uh, characteristics of capitalism is competition, and governments have been stifling competition to this point where we don't have the pure form of capitalism that governments claim we have. I think in its purest form, capitalism has a lot of potential. The problem is we're not allowing it to be in its purest form. And I think it's because these institutions know that they will lose a lot of power if we adopt the purest form of capitalism. Because yes, you could be a big boss who who's got you know this amount of capital and you because let's let's go let's take a few step back and get some basic definition so capitalism uh to me i always link it to the price mechanism and that is what i i understand as capitalism so the price mechanism which is uh a system of resource allocation that is determined by the laws of supply and demand. That is what I understand as capitalism. Okay. And we yeah, don't I mean, have that. That, the I mean, fact what that I like about capitalism, the, it's um, you know the, the freedom to of ownership. You know, I mean ownership of land, you know, ownership of your own business. You know, I, I love that side of capitalism where you have that freedom, you know, and yeah, because and you can, you know, you can succeed in your own business, you know what I mean, with your supply and demand. But the thing is, you know, the government, the structure, the way it's built, there are barriers of certain yeah, communities. No exactly, and, and, and that is the problem. 
We need and to get properly. away with this. So that's, that's, that's the problem. We that's have the issue, you know, competition. So, so Jonathan, the problem you... is that the government is making the field uneven so that certain organizations can, uh, you know, absolutely benefit and others yeah. can't. And yeah. to me, yeah. that's not the pure form you know, of capitalism you know why... that we claim to be living under. So you know why even if, say, if they were to put pure form of capitalism and everything, yeah? So imagine it's a race. You said it's a competition, yeah? Which I, I personally, I don't believe these things are comp- is, is like a competition. I think that's a very sort of... Uh, what, um, a, a, a white supremacist kind of ideology. Uh, the, the idea of competition where the it's like a race and say I'm a white person, I'm starting from here and then the other other ethnic minorities are starting way back there. It's not fair. There's no. It's not a competition. It's just a, uh, by word, it's, it's, it's competition. Everybody for himself, God for us all. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Jonathan, so what, what do you say about things like... Um, have you have you uh, read uh, uh, the works of uh, Karl Marx? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm familiar with his work. So, uh, so, so obviously now because we were we're raised in a in a capitalistic society, we get told that Marx things like Marxism and other uh, bra- branches of socialism, um, and they equate it with sort of Russia and. Uh, Nazi, Nazism and things like this, but that's only because what, that's what we've been taught in these countries. What What are your thoughts on the um, Marxist understanding of um, uh, these so, social? So, so, so my understanding is that uh, with Marxism, uh, so socialism in terms of economics. Uh, I the definition that I like to use is that of the Oxford English Dictionary. I think it puts it very well for what I understand capital and um, socialism to be, and that is the collective or state ownership of the means of production, distribution, and exchange. And to me, I can't support that because as a black person, I have zero confidence that giving the government power over these three over the three key areas of an economy will be beneficial for me. The government, to me, has already told me that they don't have my best interest at heart. So I'm always very skeptical to give them more power than they already have. So for a single entity, to me, for a single entity to control the means of production, distribution, and exchange is very, very dangerous because you essentially have all economic power at your fingertip, at your fingertip, and I'm terrified at so that's, the simple that, thought that's, of yeah. having that much, that much power on one person's hand. So that's 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 like so communism. I isn't think it? that Marx, that's, you know, that's yeah, like Marxism is like Marxism is like the 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 opposite. Uh, to uh, capitalism, it's like yeah. the 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 hated brother of capitalism. You see, and I mean, Akamas has a lot of writing, they, they, but they are no they are no in cousin that always comes. Yeah, to, thank you. Comes up to oh, yeah, always have an issue with you. I mean, tipsy. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, Marx has a lot of writings, but then um, he, he basically his idea is that um, if you should. Uh, 
discriminate against or push uh, policies on a group of people for a long time, at one point, they will get angry and they are going to revolt against your policies or revolt against the system. And a typical example of that is what we are seeing with uh, Black Lives Matter. That exactly. So, we've yeah. been pushed to the extent that people are fed up now. So they, are, they need to revolt against the system. Some people argue, why are they protesting in Aluti? Because there have been protests on several occasions when blacks have been killed and the police who are involved have been acquitted and discharged. Rodney King beating happened. There was protest. Nothing happened. Trevor yeah. Martin, protest. Nothing happened. We can keep mentioning the names. All of them. Eregana, protest. Nothing happened. I mean, there are so many. So, I mean, the Marxists will tell you, not the people are fed up. This is the time they think they need to act and revolt against the system. And Marxism will tell you they can do it violently. According to Kamas, he even said the proletariat will end up killing the bourgeoisie. And take so, over. Okay, so you see, you see, so, um, just to, so, just to add a little bit, just to add a how about all the guns and the planes, you know, Sam? <laughs> how about just sophisticated technology, you know, what I mean, uh, you know, armory. Just to, just to add a little bit. A lot of people are trying to fight, man. Mexico oh yeah, have you seen the guy who went to stand? There is it a is there a name? Is it Tammy something something? A guy went to stand in front of the tank, blocking the yeah. tank. I mean, about your point, you know, Sam, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, I think it's Chairman Mao, you know, uh, the great Chinese leader who said, uh, with injustice, you know, comes uh, revolution. Did you just say great you know, Chinese from, leader? Well, well, <laughs> well, well, oh, yeah, Chairman Mao is a great Chinese leader, yeah. Mao. Uh, he's one of the yeah. most remarkable it, uh, or known Mao Chinese Zoom. leaders yes. you know, out there. I don't, yeah. I don't think, you know, we can count, you know, five Chinese leaders. But you know, from what we know, he's one of the. Oh yeah, not saying for myself, but really, I'm not from China. China. China, yeah. Yeah, I'm not from China, but that's for, <laughs> for the Chinese. You know, what I mean, they they revere him. You know, as one of the great leaders. But for me, this is where I, you know, that's why I said, you know, I'm in the middle. You know, when it comes to capitalism and socialism, I like capitalism because you have free ownership. I agree with Jonathan when he said, you know, giving all the power, you know, to one entity, one government. And they distribute it, you know, how they how they feel. You know, you don't have any saying, you know, the government says it all and um, it deprives people. And that, that same entity, that same government as well has got the power to transfer those resources in different areas. You know, they can develop sign areas and leave sign areas, mm -hmm. but everyone has got an input, everyone has, has a contributed towards that, but you don't have uh, you know, much saying on where that you know, where it's going to be developed. I th I right? think so I capitalism as a theory gives you that advantage, you know, to have your own aspirations and develop your own market and develop, you know, your own society and your own community as a theory, right? But um, the thing yeah. is, when, when people protesting, you know, I believe for it to be successful, it needs to come from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top, you know, because... Like I just said, you know, Sam, how can you fight with all these sophisticated technologies and all this armor and all these weapons, right? I mean, yes, we can have all the motivation, we can have all the aspirations and all the inspirations, you know what I mean? Or how can we see, fight? Yes, if you're, if you're united in Namas, if you're united in Namas, tanks cannot stop you. 
Well, it has stopped people. If you are united, no. See, look, look at what, look at what, look at what happened in the Arab Spring. They were the the protesters were being burned, tear gas, everything. But if you are united in numbers, things cannot stop you. See, this is, is what, what I was. This is what I was going to ask: uh, is that uh -huh. considering the recent events and the recent protests, do you guys think this is the way forward in order to? get the message heard and in order oh, to um, balance the society let, 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 let me start yes this is the this is the okay all right no i want you to say something i really want to hear what you got to say my brother no bro uh, uh <laughs> i mean he's a lightest colored out of all of us so <laughs> you gotta say something bro. no my my, yeah. my my position here today is Remember, you the lightest of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> we are listening. But my position here is to uh, facilitate a discussion. So hey. <laughs> he's been he's been diplomatic. You can still buy. You can still I like <laughs> No, bro. Hon honestly, I've, I've heard um, a lot of your guys' views today, and I, you know, wholeheartedly agree with, especially the things around capitalism i think if i was to give my view i don't think i entirely agreed with what jonathan was saying uh in the sense that um capitalism can work and it is the answer because the the way it is today and you know to completely reform that would it would take it would take centuries of doing good and doing things right but that's just not the way how things are going to be unfortunately um, so we have to be realistic in the sense as well. What can we do? What can what the, what are the reforms that we can bring into the society that are under our control immediately? Um, so that's why I asked the question about these protests because I know protests help getting the word out, um, but at the same time, does it not put a negative light on the pr protestees, if that's the right word, um, of you know, say using violence as the, the protesters? Answer? Let, 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 let me chip in with that. Finish. I'm let finish. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so I, I was going to say, while I understand, if you look at Martin Martin Luther King and then you look at um, Malcolm X, who was more, more pro-violence, but only because, um, the, you know, the peaceful side wasn't being listened to. So even if you see today, the peaceful protests might go on, um, but where what I think got the message out harder was the violent side of things when you look at when you say violent what, what um you know like you know actually looting and yeah can i just add can i just add something to yeah, that i can finish brother Jonathan, it's okay, I it's okay. Finish, it's, it's okay. <laughs> i think he's answering <laughs> no, no, my question he's, 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 done, he's done it's in line it's in line with what he's been saying is that yeah, um, Jonathan, let, 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 let him finish let him finish his point please my point I think I think Ali is like you know let the white man finish brother Ali so the point so my point comes from me actually understanding from you guys you know what I mean so that's why I asked the question is that the answer because I honestly I don't know because I'm not I'm not uh, like a I'm not a violent person myself. I you know I like things uh, the peaceful way, but I do realize as well that things are you know uh, sometimes peaceful ways don't work. So I want to know from you, is this the way going forward in order to get? 
the Black Lives Matter message out there. It's not just about getting the message out there, but actually, you know, having something something actionable. What are the actionable steps we can take to ensure there's equality in that regard? I think... Okay. Yeah, I think there is a very simple answer to that. And that is, we have seen it with big corporations. The moment you mess with their money, they get on their feet. Bang on. That's what we need to do. The solution is economic. Uh, Improving in every country in this world, every area of life, that the moment your money is in danger, you take action. So that's what the black community needs to do. Uh, We also need help from other ethnic groups and from our white counterparts because the moment we have the economic power to say to these big institutions, unless you change your ways, you're not going to see a penny of our money. Trust me. But Jonathan, there's a challenge to that. Jonathan, Jonathan, there's a challenge to that, you know, not to cut you off. The challenge to that is for so long, we've been um, made to be uh, consumers. You know, so we're not really involved in innovation. We're not really involved in manufacturing. You know, we're not really involved in creating, you know, uh, produce or services out there. Yeah, that's so, that's the that's the challenge for us, and so we, that's we end, why we end up being was, we end up we end up being you know just consumers, uh, and we end well, up needing no, the, the the other thing is we have been always been involved in. When I say we, I'm talking about non-white people have been involved in providing resource. So, you know, like... Um, no, no, but uh, you see, for the Asian community, it's been very effective. I mean, I think the Asian community, in terms of economic, has a lot of power in this country. And I think that's one thing that the black community needs to start focusing you know, on. When I say Owning you, industry, being yeah. part of the uh, means of production, distribution, and exchange. And there are many black businesses out there who don't have enough support from their own community because if you look at, for example, the Jewish community, you know, their economic setup is is so well-formed that you cannot disrespect the Jewish community and not see an economic impact. They're together like glue. Regardless, yeah, regardless of who you are. And I think that is true of the Asian community, uh, perhaps not as much as with the Jewish community. And that, I think, is one of the problems within the black community, that we, for so long, have been excluded from the important areas of, the, of economic activity. The, the question that, although arises. Although it does look difficult, I think it is possible. We might have, it might take hundreds of years, but remember that slavery and all these issues that we experiencing today as a black as the black community it didn't happen overnight hundreds of years to, to, to sort it out i mean we well we cannot be is short-term orientated because i think a lot of the protests uh, uh, and a lot of the things that have been done to this day are very short-sighted uh, in the sense that they don't think about addressing the few, the problem in the long term. Uh, it's always, if, if you realize the policing bill that the Democrats were trying to pass uh, after, uh, after the death of George Floyd, do you know it's been voted down by the Republicans? 
So the law is, I don't, I, I don't know in what you know, you said being short-sighted. I think we need to tackle, you know, uh, short-term by, you know, creating yeah. foundation and activities, you know, uh, get people involved and engaged politically, uh, one economically thing I, and socially. One and thing also, I would know, say, and long -term. one thing I would say, one thing I would say, Jonathan, you mentioned uh, the example of the Jewish community. But you have to consider as well, when you say Jewish community, that's a religion. Um, and then we confuse it with race, you know. So uh, as a Muslim, our stance is very clear. And I'd, I'd read out a uh, hadith as well. Uh, sorry, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extract from uh, our Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It's an extract from his final ser sermon to clarify the Muslim stance on it. Because I feel like as a Muslim, if we followed this, there wouldn't be racism in the society. So I'm just going to read it out. So it's, O people, your Lord is one and your father Adam is one. There is no favor of an Arab over a foreigner, nor a foreigner over an Arab, and neither white skin over black skin, nor black skin over white skin, except by righteousness. So that message is essentially geared toward, um, you know, equality. Judge a man by his character. Yeah. And so when we give the example of the Jewish community, um, there's obviously black Jews, there's white Jews, um, and there's different ethnic other ethnic backgrounds in the Jewish community. So, um, uh, so are we saying that those? No, um, no. When I when I say the Jewish community, I mean uh, the unifying factor for those people. Of course, there are black Jews. And, so, so their uh, unifying Jews, factor is Asian religion, Jews. right? They the unifying factor is that they see themselves through their Jewish identity, and that brings them together yeah. and makes them fight for the rights of someone that they might have never met. But yeah, they so, say, you know what, this guy is part of my community, I'm going to stand up for him. Yeah, so do we say religion is the answer? Because in uh, each of our no. religions, I, because in each of our religions, um, I'm certain that uh, each of our religions, they're against racism. So I don't think majority of the white supremacists are religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For them, is the white the, skin. The thing is, is how um, is yes. how, how we practice that religion as a people. Exactly. But you know, yeah. you know, you guys just read out. Yeah. It's very clear message that you know the only difference uh, from a person, you know, how you judge a person is is uh, righteousness, good actions, and we can all agree to that. But it comes down to how we practice that. I mean, I have my own. I have my own views on uh, Jews. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, they have different, um, uh, they have different backgrounds and, you know, there's black Jews and white Jews and stuff like this, but um, I, there's not many, there's not many, uh, 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 there's not many cultures, uh, there's, there's not many races in, in, in Judaism. There's a black Jews in America, uh, or there's black Jews in general who, who basically claim to be like the original Jews. And then there's the white, the typical white Jew. Um, and they, they, they are. It is a religion. However, you are born into that religion, so it's a community as well. So when you say Jew, or or that or the Jewish community, it's not just um, a, a group of different um, a, a people with different ethnic backgrounds who who come into Judaism and say, yeah, we are Jewish. No, these are people who are born into Ju uh, Judaism and they see themselves as Jewish and they have their own sort of uh, covenant and internal they see themselves as a race not just a religious as a race thing, exactly a race. Yeah. now that no, problem no. the way we see the jewish today is misrepresented that's another problem that's another issue you know i mean that many people don't understand 
The original Jews are not really white people. The original Jews oh, come from the region of Africa another, and the Middle East. I, I think that's but, a topic for another pod. But what, what yeah. my point is, is, you know, Jonathan, you, you said that these things, that uh, we should look up to this, uh, the, way they stru- uh, the way they structure uh, internally. Um, from what I've heard, there's actually a, 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 a Jewish area in London and they have their own police. So they have their own Jewish police in London. That's power. That's power. However, That's power. however, like the uh, Hadith that Akib um, read out, it's saying that nobody has, nobody is over another because of race. So yeah. we cannot as, well, me as a Muslim, I cannot say that uh, if there was a non-Muslim person in need, or you know, uh, I have to prioritize my own people over them. That's not what we say, and it's a very, uh, it's a very human uh, uh, Islam. And to some, I don't know much about Christianity, but they're very sort of human orientated. Whereas the way the Jews, uh, the way they structure their own internal systems is very sort of internalized, and it's not. Um, they don't. They don't. They, they don't like it when people kind of interfere in their business. So I don't, I don't really agree with that, that system because that, all that does is create uh, differences amongst people. You know, if everybody was like this, Muslims would have their own little communities and the Jews would have their own little... And then uh, economically, there, will, there would definitely be one superior race. And that is what we're seeing now, you know, with the... Um, with, uh, with world trade and um, the people that own most of the uh, 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 world's corporations, you know, they are predominantly white and Jewish. Um, so, I, I, you know, before people start calling me anti-Semitic um, or, or something, I'm just going to be quiet, you know. I'm, no, no, I'm no, not... no, but I mean, recently... Uh, you made a, great, you made a in, good point. It's a good point. In 2017, there was a rally by this white supremacist group. I think um, it's called the Unite the right or something in Charlottesville and what they were chanting was Jews will not replace us. You know, it's a white supremacist group and then they were chanting Jews will not replace us and they are going to send the Jews back to where they came from and all the niggas back to where they came from. So I mean I understand your point. I mean it doesn't mean you are anti-Semitic but then yeah. uh, I mean the Jews community as you said to me I see it as a uh, a, a racial a, a race the Jews community I see it as a race not just religion can I just say um, for me um, I mean I've I've had a different I've had a different uh, sort of uh, experience with the um, Jewish community because for me my interactions with what I, um, with the Jewish community has been that um, you know here in Jericho I find them very welcoming um, very friendly um, mm-hmm. Although you can see that they have their schools and the synagogue and this other and this other, um, I've never felt like I was forbidden from going into those places. In fact, in many occasions, I, I was invited to, to come and join in events and you know to uh, visit at the restaurants and places when they are having events. So I think. Uh, yes, to a certain degree, I, I can see what you mean when you say that uh, it sort of creates these bubbles where, okay, Jewish people with Jewish people, Muslim people with Muslim people, uh, I don't know, Christians with Christians. Uh, I, I understand that, but I think uh, 
in reality on the ground is slightly different. Um, I think they use in their collective power to ensure that, you know, to elevate every member of their community. And um, I don't think there is... I don't think there is anything wrong with that. Uh, I would that, like to see other other communities doing it more. However, as long as we are keeping in mind that the ultimate aim is for all communities to come together in a cohesive and equal and diverse society. Yeah. Let me, um, Hakim. I think you you asked the question about um, whether the current protests. Are the way to go as yeah. a dilution measure. Yes, um, if you ask me, I would say yes, and there need to be more protests, there need to be more uh, destruction of properties. Let me explain that. Now, I can feel I can feel everybody moving their chairs. Right? Is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> no, let, 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 let me explain. Now, over the years, as I said, uh, Darren Wilson was killed. There was protest in Ferguson, huge protest. Nothing happened. Eregana was killed. There was protest. Nothing happened. Rodney King was killed. There was protest, no change. Samuel Rice was killed. There was, and this, I'm talking of huge protests, but then it wasn't as huge as we've seen with, um, uh, what's the name of the man? Uh, George Floyd. Because George Floyd has become like a global thing because now people have become fed up. I, I put a post on Facebook that I don't understand why people are protesting and are uh, dis destroying stuff because if you destroy stuff, you, this, are, this is your community. If you go and loot the supermarket after the protest, where will you go and do your shopping? You know, you are destroying your own community. And a friend of mine who was in America, who was part of the protest, sent me a, a direct message and she said, If you destroy all these properties, all these properties have insurance because it's part of establishing the business. But the life that is lost doesn't have insurance. The life is gone. So the destruction of the properties, the owners are not going to lose anything. But it's just to let the leaders understand that people have become fed up and a life lost is very important than the properties that they are destroying. So that is why I'm saying that there should be more protests because it looks like the protest is taking action. I see that some, there are some places where they, 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 they are bringing down statues and I mean, some, some even are saying they are trying to change history. When you bring down a statue, you are not changing any history. You are just saying that we cannot be looking at this man all the time. How can you go and put a statue of Robert Lee in Charlottesville? In a black community, there is a statue of their oppressor over there. Every time they wake up in the morning, they see the statue of Robert Lee there, all the time. It's just like you go and put the statue of Adolf Hitler in a Jewish community. I, I mean, I mean, you See? know what? You, you know, with the statue issue, I think. Um, obviously, so, no. Come on. So obviously, obviously, um, they took the statue down in Bristol, and I think they're trying to take it down in Oxford. Well, they need to take all the statues down. So uh, the one in 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 in, in Oxford. Um, They've, they've been stopped, uh, Jonathan, I'm not sure if you're aware, but they, they were stopped from taking it down 
because people who donate uh, a lot of money to Oxford University um, paid for that statue, and they think we're going to stop the we're going to stop these uh, donations. And that makes me think. So the, the the thing behind the statues is not actually the history that concerns me. What concerns me is somebody from a rich from one of these elite families who give all this money. Because um, I I work with the the University of Oxford recently. Uh, some some family gave 180 million just to change the name of one of the colleges uh, to their family name. So there's a very elite uh, set of people who you know who get their who get their kids into Oxford University by with all these payments and stuff. Somebody somewhere must have thought it's a good idea to put a statue of this person there. And no, it goes. Can I? Sorry to interrupt. Um, the statue was uh, the um, he was he donated a lot of the money that led to the creation of that college. Essentially, he uh, he essentially bankrolled uh, that college uh, in its early stages. Um, yes, you're right to say that uh, uh, there have been reports uh, that claim that. Um, wealthy alumni have threatened to withdraw a hundred million worth of funding um, if the statue is removed. However, there's been, uh, I think, less than um, a week ago or maybe a little bit longer, um, they've announced that they will start consultation towards removing the statue. However, I believe they said that five years ago, um, it's still there, um, but what I would say in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement and this, this thing that's happening now with statues is that this is something that uh, it's come up a lot at the dinner table. Um, I'm not really, you know, if, if, if I'm honest with you, I've only noticed that statue recently because of the <laughs> protest. I'm not, I, I'm not that bothered about that statue being up there. To me, um, we are essentially, I, I don't want to say we're wasting time, but I don't think we should be prioritizing the removal of these statues. Uh, rather, we should be focusing on changing the systems in this institution. Because to me, it's not the statue that can um, be prejudicial or um, discriminate against me today. It's the system. So I want us to refocus the fight on these systems that keep us no. rather than I, 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 to I, spend time, I, energy, and resources on, on trying to remove statues. That statue cannot do anything to black people. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like this. Tiny. I remember, I remember uh, one time in uni, we were talking about uh, development in Africa and I was, anytime development in Africa comes up, I always try to refer the class back to how colonialism has affected our current situation. And one time, my lecturer tried to point me to the direction that uh, colonialism is past and gone. So why wouldn't we rather look at how the continent can develop now and future? But then my response to him was, if in order for us to understand how we are going to go forward, we need to understand what got us here. We need to understand how colonialism has affected us to this day and how it is going to affect us in the future. It's the same way 
uh, of course, if you break, put, break, put down, uh, bring down the statue of um, somebody who was dealing in slave trade, it, the statue is not going to have any direct effect on it. But then it's just a symbol. It's just a symbol to show that we are bringing down these symbols of oppression. You see, it, of course, it, it's not make, it won't make any direct change, but then it's just the symbol to show that this is the time things need to change because there has been a lot of protests, but then I've never seen protests where even slave traders' statues have to come down. Yeah, so like for it, if, if there was a statue of, say, for example, in Germany, if there was a statue of Hitler, because he. There's never one. He, because he he done a lot of good for the country in terms of economy wise. Yes. Obviously, he was an evil person. So, do you think if there was a statue of Hitler in Germany, um, people? Do you think people would be right to take it down? How, how people? How see? They didn't even think about it before. There would be a statue for people to bring it down because they knew what Hitler stood for. Even though Hitler was the brain behind Germans' economic power, but they know the crimes he had committed and they know what putting up a Hitler statue would is going to idolize him. So there you wouldn't even find a single statue anywhere. There was one in some history museum. They they just had to go and take it and throw it somewhere. Um having having so, said they, that uh-huh. uh sorry having said that uh in in Spain uh, I grew up in Madrid in Spain to this day once a year they still have a parade to celebrate the legacy of General Franco, which was the Spanish dictator during the Nazi era. Mm -hmm. And he was an ally of Hitler. He was a fascist. Yeah. And up till today, they still have a parade celebrating his memory and his achievement. And they march around the streets with the Nazi salute, open arms. See, I rather we focus on things like that in getting rid of, because I think it's, Jonathan, the thing is, you know, I do understand where you're coming from uh, based on priority, but um, anything that can bring attention is good. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that I, I want the statue to be there forever. Yeah, but I mean, we all that of us right agree now, that, you know, the statue is not yeah. going to make any difference in our lives, you know what I mean? But it's just... Yeah. Um, uh, Putting, you know, bringing attention, attention. to the yeah, past, I, you know. I, so more and more people are more aware about who these people are and what these people have committed, you know. So it's, um, you know, pushing people to research more, uh, you know, and do yeah. about, you know, what's going on. For me, that's the only uh, good thing from the statue. The statue itself, it's yeah. only like a metal, you know, it's only a structure, understand? Yeah. And Sam, you know, coming back to your point, you know, what, what your teacher was saying, a lot of people come up with this argument uh, even with my police friend, you know, we had the same discussion. Why don't you get over it? Something that happened long time ago. Yeah. You know, but, but the point is, I give them a very simple answer. You know, what happened to black people and black slavery benefited, you know, the Western world and benefited, you know, that class of people. Mm -hmm. Black people today never benefited from black labor. They absolutely never benefited nothing. There has, been, there has never been any reparations. You know, the labor and, you know, they benefited and, you know, made this, these countries very wealthy, which those people, you know, they inherited. So there is no discussion, you know, there's no argument that, you know, what happened in the past has not affected, you know. For example, you know, if your dad was very wealthy man, 
obviously you're gonna inherit that from your dad, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so if your dad worked very hard and all, the, you know, what he worked for went to a white man, and that white man took that money and gave it to his children. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Donald Trump says something like he he borrowed, I think, a small amount of money from his dad to start his business, and I think it was is it one million. Yeah, a small loan I of think, a million, million dollars. Small loan of a million, you mean? Small loan of a million dollars Ali, I think to you start your business. You mean? So, I mean, it's like what uh, Ahmed was saying, that it's okay. a race, but... Oh, no. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, no. Okay, sorry, just now I went offline, you know, I don't know. Uh, oh, okay, then I was even chipping in for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you know, I think I was... Yeah, or uh, yeah. I then I was, I was just saying about what, uh, commenting on what Ahmed was saying, that now the, the life has, the life race has been such that there are those who have been given the leading position, the poor position, you know, and some of us have been, have to run from the back. So you see, of course, if you're in the poor position, you have an advantage, and that is what some people don't understand that in the society, some people have that advantage. And there are some people who are still at the back, who still need to run the same race to get to the finish line. So it, it's, never going to be, it's never going to be the same unless attention is drawn. And for attention to be drawn, there need to be still more protests, more distractions. So that, because, I mean, we are, there have been all these protests, especially in America, for reforms. Up to now, we've not heard of, okay, I think I've heard of one reform. But, I mean, reforms like hold your ground, you know, uh, then hold your ground is like when uh, a, police officer, a police officer feels threatened, they can, instead of using taser, can use a gun to, oh. to just shoot, you, you see. I mean, how, how can it be such a policy? And, you know, there was this uh, documentary about the American police system where they have uh, some form of a cartel where if something, one police officer does something wrong, if you, another police officer sees it, you don't report. If you report, you are the one who are, who's going to be in trouble. You see, they don't try, they don't expose each other. It's like some form of secret society in the police service. Yeah, that's correct, Sam. And, you know, ultimately, Sam, you know, like, when we're talking about, you know, solutions, you know, to all these problems, um, Malcolm X once said, you know, as a, the black community need to choose to fight injustice with the ballot or the bullet. Mm. You know, when it comes to the bullets, organization, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, organizations, a lot of leaders, you know, have died through the struggle. But also as a people today, we have, we can, we can use the ballot. You know what I mean? We can organize and create, you know, foundations and, you know, like this, podcast you know it's uh, amazing you know we can come out here we can discuss and uh, we can bring people together and um, you know create our claims and then you know we need to know every politician every governor you know in every community you know? in every state you know in which you know we live and then if we have numbers you know sign up people with our organizations you know thousands <laughs> to millions of people just imagine all these Millions of people who've come out and match, you know, uh, for this uh, Black Lives, you know, uh, matter, you know, issue. If you can bring all these people down, and we can all agree, you and know, fight against this oppression and injustice, and then we we put these claims, you know, to to this, um, you know, elect, you know, po you know, potential 
uh, you know, politicians or whoever is standing up for election, anyone, anyway, tell them, you know what, this is what we want. And if you agree what we want, then we can work for you. I think this can bring the UK change. Then I want to ask, ask a friend change. that uh, why is it that the UK have not heard of any uh, black prime minister? And then she was saying something like there was someone who was actually wanted to stand, but then later withdrew his uh, withdrew. Jonathan, I don't know if you know of that story. Chukalmuna? Uh, was black? Yes. No, he, he wasn't standing for prime minister. He was going to stand up for the leadership of the Labour Party. Oh, okay. yeah. Chukalmuna. Uh, I think... Why I think, hasn't uh, there been a black prime minister? In the UK? Um, I think, uh, well, because no black person has actually been properly given uh, the opportunity to gain experience in government to the point where they can later run for a leader of the party and eventually mm -hmm. um, prime minister. I mean, they've had two female um, prime ministers, uh, both of them from the Conservative Party. Uh, so in a way, it's a bit ironic that the, uh, the only party that's had anything other than a white, middle-aged, um, middle-class, uh, white, middle-aged man as the leader is the Conservatives. And the I, Labour. Think the, I think the media has a lot to do to with that as well because any, any black person that, uh, or any, say, someone from Labour uh, comes into, you know, um, a bit of awareness or people start following them a bit, the media, the media absolutely yeah, ridicules you, that person. Um, yeah, so they did it with um, what's the MP for Hackney. Oh, can't believe I forgot her name. Who is the uh, MP for Hackney? Is a black woman. Was it Abbott? Diane Abbott. Diane that's Abbott, the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they did it with her. Uh, I think to a certain extent they did it with Chuka Muna. Um, I want to see how much they support the black candidate that the Conservatives have put uh, for London mayor. Um, that, that's going to be interesting to see him going up as a, conservative, as a black Conservative against a um, sort of Asian and Muslim uh, Labour Party member. So I think the London mayoral elections, uh, is, the next London mayor elections is going to be interesting to see yeah. I, how I think, the political parties uh, I, I, contrast. I do think we can make a lot of noise to pressure the government at a, at a larger scale, but the change will actually happen when we start removing these impediments and these these blockers at a slightly lower level than that. So like at the MP stage and then the stage after that where you're, uh, you know, uh, being selected for a cabinet of the party, you know, so it, it, it's like a gradual I mean, process. Yeah, I mean, on all levels, I think levels, it goes, I believe I think it's, it's, party on all levels, you know, from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess it's like a I think it's important Yeah, go on, sorry Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say like, If you're always throwing stops uh, Stones at the top It's not really going to do much You have to, you know Hit the foundations first So if you Absolute, When you, you want to knock down a house You don't start at the top really If you want to get things done faster You start from the bottom You get rid of the foundations um, So that's where I think yeah. We need to target our noise towards um, That's where I think yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And the way to do that, I think, 
we are in the UK, minorities need to be a lot more active in the uh, voting process because I'll tell you, East Oxford, which is, um, you have a large minority community. In East Oxford, uh, I've worked in local campaigns here in East Oxford, well, I'm currently in North Oxford, but in East Oxford, I've worked in campaigns over there, um, council elections, where candidates have won with um, the turnout was 125 people. Hmm. The candidate won with, I mean, I think the candidate won with, by two votes. Yeah. To, so, to like, sometimes people think that, you know, as a minority, you know, we can never affect the uh, political outcome, but we can, you know, because exactly. sometimes it, it is that close. Sometimes it is that we need to be involved politically. We need to, you know, create our claims and support the people and the parties, you know, who support our causes. It does an absolute, you know. I mean, it's very easy from the groundwork what you're saying, Akib, you know, start from the foundations. I mean, you know, creating these platforms, these organizational activities, sign up. Ten people can sign up, uh, you know, a hundred people. A hundred people can sign up a thousand people. A thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand can sign up a million. You know what I mean? And the only way we can get to that is uh, creating these platforms where we're going to engage, you know, in this dialogue. Yeah, that's the groundwork. That's the groundwork. Because yeah. I, I think we have to realize that when we're targeting, you know, the larger scale, we can easily get shut up uh, via the media. Um, there's just, they've just got so much power and influence uh, where we need to create more organizations, movements and uh, these kind of initiatives to create that noise so you can you re really rally up something. And then well, I think with the media as well, what we have to understand, yeah? The media, what many people don't understand, is owned by multi-corporate, multinational companies. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the, that's the problem. That's why there's so much influence. And that's why we're unable to make that, the level of noise yeah. that we want to. Um, oh, do you think, I've got, I've well, got a, I think, a suggestion. Do you think that if, uh, you know, um, black uh, entrepreneurs or black, big, uh, black businesses, if they, okay, imagine if there was a platform, uh, but the only... And, the, and the, uh, it's like a, tr uh, a sort of uh, a business platform um, where uh, black people can get money together to create businesses and create local business and uh, at a bigger scale as well. Do you think if, so if there was something that existed just for black people, do you think the media would turn around and say this is a racist, uh, uh, this this, uh, it would, and this is, is one of the things that's been affecting the black community. But if we look at practically, the black community is the only community that is behind for doing for self. If you look at every other community you have done for self, you know, you look at the Chinese community, you look at the Jewish community, you look at the Asian community, they've all done for self. For some reason, as a black community, we, we are behind. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the only way, you know, we can be truly, um, we can progress, you know, economically, you know what I mean? Uh, we have to do for self. We have to empower self. We have to support, you know, the black business now out there. Do Everyone is doing it. So that, you know what I mean? It doesn't matter what the media say, everyone else is doing it. So there's no, there's no, there's no problem why we can do it ourselves. Yeah. But ultimately, you know what I mean? We can all support each other in fairness and principles. But there's nothing wrong 
you know, doing for self. Everyone is doing. Because like, only people are behind. In 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 Asian culture, what tends to happen is, um, uh, uh, we have uh, sort of setups where if money is needed for some, if somebody wants to set up, set up some small shop or something, or wants to buy a small business, or they there's a pot of money in the local community. Sometimes they they become part of this little committee, and then they they can put their hand in the pot of money and set something up uh, for for themselves, which they pay back um, over time. Um, and there's a, that kind of support system that we... It was more my granddad's days uh, where they done this. Now, now, now everyone is a little bit more independent and a little bit more selfish, I would say. So, some of my friends still do it. No, no, no I'm, I, I wouldn't say it's selfish. I love, I love this can, about can the you Asian see, community, you know. Can I really you see love this. The... I hope we can learn from you guys and do more, yeah. you know, similar things. You can, know? can you I, see I the contrast? Can you see the contrast in that? Um, and that goes to, you can look at that in home ownership as well. Why is home ownership higher amongst the Asian community in the UK than it is amongst the black community here in the UK? And that is because when the um, sort of uh, black people from the Caribbean and Africa um, were brought to the U started coming to the UK, and everything, we did not have that mentality of um, sort of buying our own houses, things like that. While the I think we do, we do have the mentality. We do have the mentality. No, that's something that is growing now, but in the past, we didn't. A lot of the Asian people who own their houses, they inherited that from their parents, who, when they first came here, you know, you could buy a house for 7,000 and they, as a community, they focus on doing that, opening corner shops, whilst the black community, and there is uh, a reason behind it that goes back to the days of slavery. The black community... Yeah, the thing is, we have been divided into and we can see that now. Yeah. It makes it, you know, harder. And I mean, the thing is, like I said, you know, uh, I, I take from every good, you know, and I... Uh, throw away any bad, you know. What I mean, if I see something good from a different community, you know, I'll take it. If I see something bad, I would, um, you know, be in it. You know what I mean? So it comes down to us, uh, you know, the black community, because we have got so many. This is a massive challenge, anyway. We do sing about unity all the time. You know, we yeah. do sing about coming together all the time. But this is a challenge, you know, to do this in the field, to do it practically. You know what I mean? With all these songs of Bob Marley. And uh, Tupac and, you know, all these leaders, you know, it's about time we come. I mean, there have been setbacks where people try, because if you know about the leader, Thomas Sankara, I want you to read about this guy. You know, he's one of the guys who tried to fight against uh, multi-corporations, you know, uh, colonization, you know, controlling, you know, his economy. And then he said he want no loans because the loans, you know, is a system to put, you know, uh, African countries in debt. Yeah. And in return, when they cannot pay his debt, you know, they, you know, they, they, they sell their rights. For example, if uh, this country is, you know, this Western countries, African countries want votes, they can earn their votes. If they want to come and create businesses, they can get, uh, you know, uh, uh, cuts from, you know, corporate taxes. So he understood this. He had a vision for his country and he went against it. He was like, you know what, we have to be African. We have to produce everything African. We have to... Uh, create everything African. We have to culturally, we have to wear everything African. 
And there have been this kind of leaders, but unfortunately, most of them were assassinated. You know what I mean? And um, the only ones, you know, who tend to uh, live long and, and, and have, a, a, you know, uh, stay in power for a very long time are the ones who are oppressed. And because this uh, suits, um, you know, the claim of the oppressor, he wants someone who will oppress the people and he can come in and, um, you know, make his claims and do what he wants. And then well, someone person, they can control. Yeah. And that person, you know, who is in power, even though he's black and African, but he's a seller, he only cares about himself and his family, and he don't care if the other people starve and if, if they die. So for me, we have a massive problem of corruption, you know, in Africa, but I believe corruption goes both ways. It goes both ways in the fact that the people who, who, who came and tried to do things the right way and fight against corruption, unfortunately, most of them were assassinated. And the people who um, tend to oppress the people, those are the people who get supported you know, by the, by the uh, Western powers, because they are the people who would, uh, you know, give them the opportunity to come in and take whatever they want. And those, those leaders, you know, um, they are the only few who, who get rich. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point to leave it open to discussion. Um, as much as like this discussion can go on for hours on end and, and it's amazing to learn from, we also yeah. want to make it consumable so i guess we're over like well over the two hour mark now and i and i don't want it to be get to a stage where people are looking and it's nearly three hours and they're just like oh no we don't want to listen to it so yeah um, it's, it's, a, it's a you know i guess there's uh, so I, much to talk about I, i'll let i'll let you i'll let you make your point in a second can i, I just say one one yeah. thing to uh to finish up um i think and this is the words of the current Ghanaian president. And he said, I've been following him quite a lot. And I have to say, he's someone that I find inspiring, to say the least. And he makes me very helpful for the future of Africa. And he said that black people, wherever they are around the world, need to realize that their status in society, whatever society you call home today, your status in that society is directly linked to the way they see Africa. So it is the time that we start working together to lift the motherland so that ultimately our own status in the countries where we live in is elevated because the only way to elevate that is by elevating the way they look at Africa rather than a land of aid and poverty to see Africa as the thriving land that it is, uh, that's producing a lot of intellectuals, engineers, um, artists, dancers, all kinds of things. Um, I think that's what we need to, we need to be ambassadors for the motherland, wherever we yeah, that's, are. That's brilliant. That's a, that's a fantastic point, you know. It's like, uh, what's his name, Kwame Nkrumah once said, you know, you're not African because you are born in Africa. You're African because Africa is born inside you. It's born inside you, yeah. You know, and a perfect thing, you know, what you just said, Jonathan, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we've, we've got this narrative that Africa is very poor, you know, uh, you know, charities are going to all this kind of stuff, you know. But let me, let me leave you a thought. Let me leave you guys a thought. You guys know that even today, this day and age, France actually uh, benefits over... $500 billion from Africa every year. The Central yeah. African franc. You know, France, I'm telling you about France. You know, African countries today in Africa, they still pay in France money yeah. about something they call, you know, uh, the Pact for the 
freedom of colonization or independence, something along yeah, those lines. I think lines. it's called re repatriation fees. Or let me uh, think. Yeah. So, t so tell me who needs who. Mm. Yeah. So, so this, this is another way we need to think about this, right? Because Africa is the most resourceful continent on planet Earth. And all the people who've been going to Africa all these years, you know, they've never run out of business. They're still coming. In fact, now the Chinese is coming to Africa. So mm -hmm. Africa has got so much to give, more than what people give it credit for. Africa actually built the world. The resource of Africa and the African people, they built the world. Mm -hmm. So people from the outside world, don't let anyone fool you that Africans, you know, they need charity, they need food parks. Mm. The world needs Africa more than Africa, Africa needs, needs the world. world. Jonathan, you know, this is exactly the discussion I was wanting to have with an, on another podcast with you guys. And I think we've got the perfect, perfect guests here that we can invite onto the studio as well. So, um, let me arrange that session and i think we'll hey, do a whole anytime, anytime. We'll, we'll do a whole podcast on africa because i think it's so insightful i don't want people to you know miss out on it um okay. guys again thank you so much and um uh, sam quick question for you do you, do you come to england um um i i will after the corona issue has died down okay. a little yeah okay, bro so what we're going to do is we're going to we'll have a session together in person in our studio in Oxford and, um, oh. we'll make, and we'll have that podcast, uh, around Africa. Oh, looking forward to that. Very well, myself. Amazing. Okay. Thank you so much guys for tuning in. And I hope, uh, it, our audience, especially they've learned a lot from here and they can take away some points and, um, some, some discussion points that they can, you know, probably comment on the podcast or reach out to us and share their thoughts as well.